Hello and welcome to a special episode of the 81 All Out podcast. I'm Siddhartha Vaidyanathan at Sidvi on Twitter, and I'm delighted to be joined by a very good friend of mine on the show today. Uh, one of the leading lights in sports writing, a path-breaking journalist, inspiration for so many, and uh, I'll just say overall badass, Sharda Ugra. Hi, Sharda. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hi, hi, Sidvi. That is an absolutely superb introduction. I'm wondering who you're introducing. But uh, great, great to be here. Great to chat. <laughs> I'm introducing you, and I'm sure all our listeners will be thrilled to uh, have listen to you and have you here. So Sharda is uh, currently a senior editor at ESPN Cricinfo, but she also writes on various other sports for ESPN India and other outlets. She's smart enough not to be on Twitter, so I can't give you a Twitter <laughs> handle. But uh, please check out her stories and uh, follow her work if you don't already. I'll link uh, many of her pieces from the show notes. So already, also joining us is um, 81 All Out regular Ashoka. Hey Ashoka, AB Van on Twitter. Hi man. Hey man, hey man. Good to be on the podcast again. Yes, fantastic. So let's begin by asking Sharda to go back in time <laughs> and tell us about uh, uh, you know what drove you to sports and writing, and if you can tell us a bit about your early influences and why and what made you get into this field. Uh, I was uh, I grew up in a place where uh, this was in Bandup in sort of northeast Bombay. Uh, where we had access to uh, amazing when i think about it uh, now uh, to an uh, uh, open air badminton court a cricket ground a football size ground i mean i this is my child's eye memory so it could be smaller than i it actually i remember and a swimming pool and this was a, a factory where my dad worked and uh, we lived there with all the other employees kids and we all played sport we all played some sport or the other no matter how rubbish we were at it we played So similarly, I I loved sport. Uh, I loved watching. My dad was a sportsman in his school and college, so it was part of our conversation. Uh, I was reading. I was playing. I was outdoors, and uh, I was completely. Um, of course, nineteen eighty three happened then, and after that, I think you kind of got completely drawn into cricket. Uh, I had an uncle who took me to a couple of cricket matches. uh and i was just so excited to see live cricket and i said you know i have to tell people about this or i will just explode how fantastic it is to see it live and so on so there was always conversation about sport and about cricket uh, more about cricket than other sport because that's what my dad had played of course i didn't know that he had played kabaddi also which i found out much later but uh, but uh, so we watched kabaddi pro kabaddi matches together um on on tv and um, so that's what and i was interested in books and in words and and uh, i loved uh, uh, everything about it you know i mean there wasn't a thing any sport at that time this was the 80s uh, when there was very little sport on television live sport was just the wimbledon final a test match that was in india black and white tv so on, uh, for for a long time and uh, i i i was wondering in the sense of influences you just read everything that you could get so at that time there were three sports magazines that were going around sports star sports week and sports world and there was a boy who lived uh, in the apartment uh, above where we used to stay and he used to buy all of them and i used to borrow them and uh, about 20% of them i never returned because i used to cut out posters and pictures and steal from them and stick them on the wall but he was a completely generous guy raju mahanta i keep saying that you know 
and he was cool about it you know because by the time i got to a magazine he had already read it some five times again another complete sports nut um and very tolerant of the fact that a girl wanted to play cricket then when i sort of grew up they said yaar we are going to bowl fast we are going to play with uh, what is the season ball you're going to get hit i was like no no it's okay it's okay and all that. so i kind of grew up in that environment and i think uh, it just uh, made me want to um i loved writing i like books i like words and i like sports and i, lo- I loved reading about uh, you know the magazines and about the players and this was the era of kapil dev had just arrived uh, imran khan and, and the, you had the four great all rounders the stories were doing the rounds um so it was that that kind of environment that you got up in and then of course after 83 happened it was that was the only sport you had to sort of get stuck into uh, you know cricket and we were champions then we completely against i still do sometime i completely erase the memory of what the west indies did to us when they came back and and hammered us uh, in the yeah, yeah that series never happened never 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 <laughs> we were always champions oh. in my mind we were, we were always champions uh, interestingly <laughs> interestingly interestingly i think my family remembers the whacking we got with the west indies more than the world cup itself because because every time i am told that we won a world cup the next line would be uh, that is a Then fluke because the next time west indies <laughs> came and wiped us out <laughs> yeah, yeah but what, what i mean what, what a fluke to be honestly yeah the I greatest know, fluke <laughs> the greatest fluke of all time so i, I remember that world cup uh, uh, you know said i had actually i don't know why i did this you think about it now i had boy uh, we had a little notebook in which i used to take down the scores from the newspaper and put it into the book the full score so scorecards of all india games every india game and at the end of it when we won i said of course they won because i was writing their scores down in the <laughs> everything like bowling figures extras whatever whatever and why what you could i have that book somewhere i had no idea why i did it but i just did it it was like part of the whole thing you know and, and there was so much time to, then yeah yeah <laughs> there was so much time what else would you have done it was june It was no school. <laughs> it was school has just begun. Whatever. Yeah. But it was fabulous, and uh, it. I think it was at the time I was too young to remember us winning the World Cup hockey, uh, World uh, World Championships. But that I never forgot. That I still never forgot. I remember everything about uh, the win, and you know. So when people celebrate 2011 and all that, what are you talking? You don't know how what us us uh, this thing was at that time. No one was expecting us to do anything in that World Cup, and we always used to get hammered. You know, no, actually no, we had quite a good uh, uh, series in Australia in '81. So uh, coming into cricket as a as I was about 12, 13 around that time, uh, we had some pretty good results, and then we had of course the Pakistanis who would uh, tour regularly. And, You know, so it wasn't too bad. We didn't uh, we didn't get stuck into this sort of. I think the '90s had all the stuff that you would go outside and you get killed. Because I, I remember the '81 performance in against Australia. I remember the '86 performance against England. So we were doing okay. We weren't we weren't too bad. You know. And then there was the World away. Championship in between the yeah, out, famous Audi. Audi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, so that was a great time to be an Indian fan. Yeah, we were winning things. We were winning big tournaments. so it was uh, it was it wasn't too bad it 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 was a good time it was it was a good time and you had you know your heroes were being created every time every time chetan chauhan used to get out uh, in his 9th and 90s you would feel awful in a test match but so chetan chauhan was a hero 
<laughs> because yeah, the only one used to uh, this thing with Gavaskar. No, no, I, I know, but was he your hero? I'm saying, was he one of your of heroes? Of course, he was. Absolutely, uh. he was hero. Uh. And uh, all the time he used to get out in the nineties. I, I don't even know how many nineties there, but it seemed like every innings. You know, yeah, he never got a hundred. Yeah, never got a hundred. And the um, but uh, more, I, I mean, of course, at in in degrees of heroism, Gavaskar and Kapil Dev were on the top, uh. and then everybody else followed. And uh, my one one childish trauma, a childhood trauma was my mother waking me up uh, to go. To, we had to leave at about half past six in the morning to go to school. So get up at six and leave at about half past six or quarter to seven. My mother woke me up and said, "Gavaskar's out." <laughs> <laughs> this was, I think, this was the first test match. I have it's such a clear memory, and it was like the whole day was ruined. Like the, my whole life was ruined from that point of time. Wake up, wake up. You have to go to school. Gavaskar's out. <laughs> I mean, they, she should have prepared you in some way without before breaking that news. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah. Given me like milk, banana. <laughs> I have to tell you this. You want to know the score? Gavaskar's out. That would be a little bit more of this thing. I remember getting him. Gavaskar's out. That was also at that time we had, we were all, but we were going through that. You know, Sunil Gavaskar gets out and everybody else collapses after that. But still, then we won the World Cup. So of course, yeah. So one thing I want to, uh, I found interesting is that you mentioned three sports magazines that came out at that time, which yeah. now seems like such a luxury because uh, now you, uh, first of all, the sports <laughs> magazines itself are uh, going through their own crisis. I mean, you don't have that many, but and even those that you have, they've you know become much smaller, like Sports Star and all. But there was a some magic, right, in waiting for those magazines every week and uh, re- reading them as quickly as possible, cutting them out, putting them in scrapbooks. And those photos, there was a, the, yeah. the whole package was quite magical. It was fantastic because uh, yeah, and apparently their readership was really high. It was like I was just going over that I was writing something and I was seeing sixty thousand readers every week. Can you imagine mm-hmm. for a sports magazine? Uh, and and they, they had their own individual flavor. Sportstar had the best posters, as we all knew. So which is why Raju Mantas uh, Sportstars got stolen more. Uh, and and uh, uh, one of the things that I did with my pocket money was to walk to this newsstand and, of course, once in a while, buy myself these magazines. And again, you just read them like you read Kavaska used to write a column. So at that I think he wrote it at that time in the sports. I could be wrong uh, in terms of the exact dates, but I remember Gavaska's column. I remember Robux, Peter Robux's articles. I remember reading... Uh, uh, John Woodcock's pieces. I remember reading Ayaz's pieces in Ayaz Mehman's pieces in Sports Week. Um, I remember reading Mudar Patheria in Sports, Sports World. World. Yeah, yeah, his the Pakistan tour that he covered. Uh, and uh, the, uh, which 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 series was that? India's tragic Christmas was the cover story, which Imran Khan finished us off in this one. Eighty two. Yeah. Uh. So India's tragic Christmas. I remember that cover. So the, it was like the whole thing, and that's. That those were, and the Illustrated Weekly, which used to come out with these fantastic cricket specials. Raju so Bharatan, were, the late yes, Raju Bharatan. The legendary, the late, yeah, yeah, God bless him and full respect to him. His stuff. And um, so these, this is the kind of stuff that uh, you you read and you kind of, uh, Robin Marler, I remember something. And I always thought the Australians, the pieces that came from Australia, Mike Cower was much more fun and much more sort of zippy and, you know, um, but no, it was, you, it was just great because you were like tied in with everything 
in sport that you love international you know even uh, local sport uh, your national hockey swimming all that kind of stuff so you were informed by those by those magazines and i know that there would have been regional language magazines in hindi and in bengali also but at that time these three magazines they were genuine like rivals of each other and very different kind of stories they did in in a way and i remember, I remember uh imran khan a photograph of imran khan wearing that famous big boys play at night t-shirts you know uh mm. that was like the the thing at the time this would have been i don't know it's 79 or they i mean i could be wrong about the date and there used to be a lady called kavita chibber who used to do these kind of very funky sassy kind of interviews of all these cricket players you know i don't know where she went and what happened but i remember the byline very clearly and they are and her imran piece of course i remember like absolutely but uh, yeah so it was so you had access to information and most importantly you had access to various styles of writing you know and and you realize you responded to some and you kind of passed on the others you read it because it was like listen it's here you have better read it it's like a compulsory thing you had to do but yeah you read that stuff cover to cover other than the bridge column which i didn't understand and still do <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, cover to cover, obsessive. Yeah. So you have to tell us about uh, Imran Khan and uh, how <laughs> how you you pulled off something that uh, every single person in India, if not every single woman in India, would have been absolutely <laughs> envious of. Please tell us. <laughs> okay, the Imran Khan story. So the fun. I have to give full credit to my friend, who is still my friend for of these many years. Her name is Ramola Talwar. she and i we were in college together. again sports not sports fans and ramona actually was a proper runner she ran for college and all this she was very good i was absolutely bakwas athlete uncoachable and <laughs> uh, but i i was i was a competitor always i played always anyway like you know loyal uh, shit number excuse the language shit number 6 batsman batswoman whatever uh, in school they wanted me to play do basketball and discuss because i'm tall and all that i just didn't get along with anyway but ramona was a proper athlete So Ramola said, "They were in Saint Xavier's College, and Ramola said, uh, Imran Khan is coming. We should go and interview him. Like seriously, like that was for I. We should go. She was also like a big Imran fan. Who was not an Imran fan at that time? You know, the most dashing, and the most and successful and fabulous uh, cricketer and tormentor of India's batsmen and all rounder wretch. So, so she said we should interview Imran Khan." So I was saying, the audacity. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awkward as they say, you know, in Hindi, awkward. Yeah. So she said, no, no, but we can say we'll interview him for a college magazine. She was actually, to be honest, she was actually, I think, a, a fan of a higher degree, an Imran Khan fan of higher degrees, because she really believed in this that this has to be done. Hmm. I was like, okay. I, I had learned how to. I had. I was learning how to type at the time with a typewriter and everything. And then a third friend of ours, actually another proper Khan, Shazia Khan, she also said, "Yes, yes, we must and why not?" And uh, someone in my family or someone we know him and whatever. We tried all these things, but said and Ashok, the amazing thing about this is how easy it was to get the interview, because you went and left a note at the hotel and said, "We are so and so. We are from college. We want to interview." <laughs> Three three girls from college. We want to interview for college magazine, and uh, we will call you. And uh, so we called, and he answered the phone, and he said, uh, "Okay." 
that's all right. Because at that time, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and um, he, it wasn't a question of why are the three of you, first of all? What is wrong with one person? Why are all three of you coming? Uh, so he answered the phone and he said, uh, all right. So he said, you come to the ground. And I, I think Shazia was the one who was speaking to him, not, not us. I think Ravola was, I think, in a state of complete like disarray and whatever and absolutely excited. Because we actually called from the, I remember the Taj Hotel number, uh, 2023366. I remember the number till now. Because oh my God. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, that is the thing. Uh, and uh, they said, who are you calling? said, we have left a note for him and we said we will call him. And therefore, so the operator put it was in B, do not disturb us, that she put the call through. He said, yeah, come to the ground tomorrow in the match and I will interview you after that. So Shazia Khan tells Imran Khan, uh, but we don't have tickets for the match. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, I will leave tickets on the desk for you. Oh my goodness. Huh. Yeah. And, but it was versus Bombay or West Zone or Boat President. It was one of those matches that it's not like hordes were going to watch. You know, it uh-huh. wasn't like that. So, of course, uh, we got very excited and we said, okay, great, we will now go. So we went, I can't remember, we went to the ground. Uh, this, this sort of sequence of events has passed me by. We went to the ground supposedly to get tickets. But why did we go to the ground to get tickets? I have no memory. Javed Miyada is in the bus going out. And we are saying, so I, either he saw standing around, like, you know, this is near the dressing room sort of area. Uh, Sid, uh, Ashok, have you been to Bankari Stadium? Yes, sir. The have. old one. The old one. Yes. Ah. So where those dressing room, those stairs were, we were sort of loafing about there. Basim Akram walked past. So Javed Miyada just says like, what are you doing here? Like, what is wrong? Why are these three women here? Three girls, basically. You're a college student. So he said, no, Imran Khan has said ticket. And all. So he said, go to the hotel and get the ticket. So then we went to the hotel. <laughs> we got the ticket for the... I, I mean, so obviously the sequence of events is very confusing, but Javed Miyada was very much there, helping us along the way. And uh, we went and watched the match, and it was a complete. Uh, it was completely fine. We sat in the DC. We got decent tickets thanks to Imran, and uh, we watched the thing. And then Imran walked past us at one stage, and he just said something like, uh, "12 o'clock tomorrow," something like that, and he walked off. And 12 o'clock the next day, we went to the hotel. He let. We went to his room. We interviewed him on a recorder. He said, "We'll take notes." Ramona said, I am not taking any notes. I am carrying a recorder. You want to take notes, you take notes. Of course, we went and we spoke to him for about 40 minutes. And our recorder worked mercifully because we were not in a position to write any notes, nothing. We were just there uh, gaping at at Ibrahim. But I must tell you, we were very professional about it. Uh, We had done our research. We had gone to Strand Bookstall and read up whatever we could in all the books that were available there and took notes. They allowed us to do it because there was no internet at the time. So we asked him very serious questions. We asked him, we divided the questions up into uh, like cricket questions and non-cricket questions. And after 40 minutes, we got a perfectly decent interview. And uh, we got out of there and we were so excited, we forgot to take photographs. We were carried a camera but we forgot to take pictures. And then we went to afternoon dispatch and courier. We typed out, typed out the whole thing. And we said, uh, 
we try to sell. They said, of course, that no college magazine in their right mind is going to take the interview. We said, let's sell it to the paper. We sold it to the afternoon dispatch and courier. And uh, that's what the story is. It is the only time I have interviewed Imran Khan ever. You know, you know where the point where you lost me was when you guys went to the hotel and told that you want to interview him and he said okay. After which I <laughs> after which I, I I okay, I couldn't relate to it anymore because <laughs> imagine doing it even ten years after. Even like, like no chance. No chance. And once we had got, once Imran Khan, we had, and of course, in college, we were a sensation. That who are these women or three girls who have gone and interviewed Imran Khan? How dare they? Oh, God, the same thing. <laughs> but, I, but I do Ramola, it was like, boss, we wanted to interview him, we interviewed him. Now we can interview whoever we want. The huh. best part of that story is like, Javed Biandad is guiding you and you just <laughs> think of interviewing yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, our, our goal was Imran Khan. By the time we uh, recovered from that whole experience of utter stardom and he was sitting completely, he was, you know, we were sitting in his, in his uh, room, three of us. He was stressed Aram say on his bed and he was answering our questions in our recorder. No problem. And after uh, about 40 minutes, we said, thank you, thank you. And we were so in such a state and speechless because of course, this is, you know, you are, we, I would have been how old? I would have been uh, 18, 19, something like that. Uh, and this is Imran Khan. So, so by the way, we, we did not even, our minds could not process the, Javed Miyadad is also being nice to you. You can speak to Javed Miyadad. Brains had stopped processing all that. Brains were dealing with ticket. You have to get, you have to ask me for ticket. You have to do all kinds of stupid things. But it was um, it was astonishing when I think about it. But in, in those days, Ashok, you could actually call cricketers in hotels and they would pick up the phone. As a reporter, you could call them. Are as a civilian, uh, as girls could call them, they would pick up the phone if they wanted to. You know? So it, it, it was just completely, it, it, it was completely alien. So we did these interviews. Uh, after Imran Khan, of course, everything else was downhill. But you peaked at 18. peaked at 18 only. And so, so the, so the uh, after that, then Ramola said, listen, this Imran Khan, is, who all these and the players came through for various Nehru Cup, Falana Cup, World Cup. We interviewed Kapil Dev, Shri Khan. Um, Viv Richards was an attempt. Viv Richards, Viv Richards, Viv Richards. Sorry, sorry. Viv Richards. How can I forget? Viv Richards, Bruce Reed, John Tricos, John Wright, all. We did seven or eight. We got them all published. The one that, there was one, I think, that didn't, one guy said no, whose name I cannot tell you. I'll tell you privately. Okay. And what we did, what we did was also ridiculous after that. And one person, they didn't want the interview. One, one guy said, no, Chris Broad said, no, I have not done anything. I don't think I should be interviewed. <laughs> You should have said you will do a lot of things in the future. We want to interview you for that. <laughs> no, no, he had a decent ashes and he just come uh, come into the English team around the time. Oh, yeah, he had a great ashes. Yeah, yeah. And he gave, and he was like, How can you not talk to us? How can you not speak to us? We have like the worst cricketer answering you. Who are you? Why are you not a So I t- but we just we, we took it as as uh, as uh, in a, as professionally as we could, but seriously, we uh, Richard was super. 
and say okay this is it and this is what we have to do next now shazia was the presentation sort of person shazia went into advertising ramola and i went into journalism um, so so she so shazia spoke to me richard on the phone and she said um, he said okay come at 1 uh, o'clock or something like that she said to her we, we were standing this is public pay phone so you are dropping 50 paisa coins one after the other tapang 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 the coins are dropping because the conversation is going on for a while so then she said uh, Can we come at two o'clock because our lectures will finish? Vivitra <laughs> 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 says, "Better I tell you the time than you tell the time." Huh? <laughs> <laughs> She says, "Yes, yes, okay." We will come. Even even the compost Shazia could not handle that. <laughs> <laughs> Then so, and, and he was fabulous. So every time I meet him after that. ஒரு <laughs> <laughs> I joined midday uh, in 1989 in November uh, which is another another should I tell the legendary story of that or which also involves Ramola I have to tell you Yeah yeah, yeah. please yeah. please tell us It's like a long way <laughs> So Ramola me and Gopesh Singh were in the Xavier Institute of Communication uh, which was like an evening class that we did after BA which I think everyone said everyone joins uh, XIC or Xavier Institute of Management because they don't want to leave the campus of St. Xavier's College in Bombay at all. They don't want to leave after, so they, this is like one, uh, so they join these courses. Anyway, I failed my feature writing class. I didn't get my diploma. I got a certificate out of it. Uh, and we had, uh, so we, of course we said, okay, we'll be journalists. Shazia, of course, was because she was much more composed and knew how to conduct herself in public and she knew how to deal with the wider world she went into advertising and she did her mba and went into advertising and she's big shot at jwt bola and as journalists we both signed up for uh, we got we, we got news that indian express uh, was having a uh, it's it's internship you know gathering its interns to come and to come and um, what's what am i saying hiring interns so you have to go through their various exams and this and that and you know you have to do some writing test and interviews and everything and then at the last stage so ramola me and gopesh who was also at xic we all got into the last seven we were amongst the last seven who got selected and out of the seven uh, four or three were going to be picked 
And out of those three, Ramona was picked, Gopesh was picked, and I wasn't picked. And Ramona and Gopesh were standing there looking like the most guilty person. I was saying, oh, very nice and damn good. And what? <laughs> I was feeling bad, but they were feeling worse. Like, you know, they were feeling even more horrible. Hmm. So, two or three days later, I get a call from Ramola or I'm talking to her on the phone and her mother says, and Midday has advertised for a sports reporter. Ask Shadna to apply. Because, of course, the whole community of all the mothers that were there were saying that, how is this? What is wrong with Indian Express? I did not hire her. So, that's how I knew that Midday had actually applied. Have you, Sid, have you ever seen an ad for a sports reporter in any paper ever again? No, no. Before, before after, in your life, Ashok, have you ever seen an ad <laughs> in a paper? Like, we need sports reporters. No, no. Yeah. Midday had that ad out. I know that there was that ad because I applied on the basis of that ad. And I got the job. And when I went to meet Anil Dharkar, the editor, I showed him all the copy. He had all the afternoon, which is the rival of midday, all their paper. And he said, but why were there three of you? <laughs> In all these why were all three of you always there? He said, but because we were friends, we wanted to go. Possibly, why were there three of you? So, uh, so, so okay. So then I'm joining midday. Uh, another sort of long story. And uh, Sachin Tendulkar has just made his debut in the month that I have joined Midday. Of course, in Bombay, everybody knew he's going to be the greatest thing ever since, I mean, like, sliced bread doesn't even begin. Um, and he played his test match and he gets hit in the face in Pakistan by Bakar, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he gets hit in the face. And then, of course, I'm I'm reporter. There is no editor. There's no sports editor. There is only sports reporter, sports sub-editor, sports, whatever, which is one person, which is the new person in the job, doesn't know anything about anything. So I said, okay, I will call up his family and find out what they are saying. And of course, how do you find out the family number? Because uh, you you don't know any other sports journalist who will help you with this number. So you say telephone directory will have the number. So you <laughs> open the telephone directory and it's got, it got about, I think it had a long list at the edge of the page. It had about maybe a long list of Tendulkar. Tendulkar is a Fairly common Maharashtrian surname. But there was only one Professor Ramesh whose number was there. 642-1445. I have a good memory for numbers. Fantastic. Huh? Yeah. And I dialed the number and his brother picked up. it. And uh, brother picked up, father spoke to father, spoke to brother, wrote story. By the way, that was not the lead story in the paper of the sports <laughs> page. It was not. Oh it my was my interview with Zeeshan Ali that was the lead. And this was a side. Can you imagine? I'm thinking about it now. It's like, who made that page? Okay, I was an idiot. I was a rookie who made that page. But could not anyone see that India's youngest player has got hit on the nose. His family are giving quotes to our sports reporter. Put it on the damn front page, man. You can't put it in the front page. Make it the lead story of the sports page. It is second lead on the page. <laughs> Zishan Ali interview has gone lead story. So... <laughs> Anyway, no, no disrespect to Zishan Ali, but please. I mean, if anyone, when, when, if anyone says that uh, cricket overshadows all sports in India, lies, that page lies, should be shown. Lies, yeah, lies. I have it, I have it somewhere. And uh, I, I, I don't know what is the quote that we had. Sachin has always been a break, has always been break. That was the quote. And I'm thinking now. I said, what will they do with a story like this now? Yeah. So yeah, wait, so there was no. How come there was no sports editor in midday? Because the sports reporter at the time, because Midday was a very small, tightly run organization full of young people and one very senior news editor who was there. Okay. And the, the sports reporter who was there at the time, Sunil Warrior, he had got hired by Times of India. So he left. 
Oh, okay, okay. And there was nobody. And there was only me who had been hired by Mr. Uh, Mr. Darker. Oh, wow. And the other people. And, 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 the, and the, I mean, the, to, to be fair, the, the people at, the, at that uh, desk were just great. It was just a great place to work because the staff, the, all your colleagues were great. Even though you were, I, I mean, and I knew nothing this journalism diploma that I had done was of zero use. Zero at the time. I'm sure now it's absolutely professional and it's fantastic and everyone should apply for it. But at that time, it, it did not. I, had, I went armed with zero skills, zero knowledge of anything other than I like cricket very much and I have interviewed Imran Khan and Viv Richards and now please have respect. Please give me a job. Yeah. So, and and uh, I've heard from uh, people that uh, back then, n- not just the sports desk, but midday had uh, uh, quite a number of uh, women working there and also in uh, important positions. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. They had. Uh, so what happened is that after some time, when they realized that this one novice rookie had come into it and was just learning how to make a page, never mind, uh, you know, have a formula or a plan for uh, journalism at the midday sports coverage at large. Uh, they did get Harsha to Harsha Bogle to sort of be like an advisor. Then Ayaz came as an advisor. So there were many advisors at various points. But the women, the, the Shaheen Zakaria headed the desk at the time. Uh, there was uh, Minakshi Shedde and Amy Fernandez who were in the, in the Sunday midday section. Uh, they had them. There was Fiddos Ali who was on the desk. So we had, there's a good number of women that were there and, um, and a, a lot of the reporters were women. Uh, Darlene De Cruz, I remember. I remember Lata, uh, Lata Venkatraman. So, you know, so it wasn't a place that was that alien. So because it was a young organization, it had younger, younger generation of people working there and there wasn't that much of uh, what I assume in larger organizations would have been a sort of a bureaucracy or a hierarchy of any kind. It was a very, very, it was a great place for a, for a young person to just start working. And what happened after that is when we hired reporters, we hired two, three women reporters after that in the same in the sports section. It's almost like it became like, you know, they're the only people who can do proper sports reporting so they bring them on. So the Hemal joined, Anusha joined, uh, and then Prajwal joined. So at that, but, but we had women that were senior uh, in the job and so that you saw and that you, it, it, you never felt being odd in that organization because as there were no other women around at the time in sports journalism in Bombay. But you never, and so you do, I did feel odd going to the place where I was the only uh, woman reporter around, but I got used to it after that. But in the office, it was like, you know, office was like home. You know, officer, like you felt looked after uh, by the office. Yeah, and uh, for our listeners, Prajwal is uh, Prajwal Hegde, the tennis writer, a famous tennis writer from Times of India. And uh, also, we've spoken a lot about Ramola, but we have to also tell people that Ramola is a distinguished journalist. She worked for AP, and now I think she's in Dubai, right? She's in Dubai. She works for the National. Yeah, she and works at for the, the moment, she's doing uh, like relentless stories on the COVID nineteen crisis and breaking stories dapadap. I, I hope uh, she has uh, contacted Imran Khan for a quote on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I met you 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, <clears throat> so uh, talking about so at what point of time, I mean, you've spoken about getting into midday, your first job, you know, finding yeah. your way. But at what point of time did it strike you or did it ever strike you at that stage that 
you were breaking you were breaking new ground i mean it's not uh, that many women who were covering sports on a regular basis most of the main newspapers the main writers were all men so at what yeah. at which what point of time did you feel that sense of uh, i don't know whatever sense it was <laughs> um <laughs> see you uh, i didn't really think i'd ever be a sports journalist because no women got into sports journalism as far as i knew there was nobody other than that one kavita chabaru's byline i remember uh, wherever she is like and 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 farishta gatti who was yes. a pakistani uh, uh, cricket writer who you whose name you saw quite a bit um, and i didn't think i, I knew I, i knew i wanted to be in journalism uh, but Uh, I didn't think I'd get the job. So when the midday job came, I thought it was like a lottery, you know, that I got a lottery, and that I had to be. Uh, the whole thing was you had to be taken seriously. No, you are not there to be fan, mm. even though uh, you are not there to act like hysterical and clap in the press box, and you are not there to be silly. You know, all the all the sort of cliches that you get that uh, women don't know anything about sports. You know, all that other jazz. so i i was most of the time it wasn't like i am breaking new ground or whatever it was like okay okay now you just you have to be full professional you know you have to just be uh uh you've got this job you've got this great opportunity don't just uh, i'm looking for a polite word to say it uh, <laughs> don't mess it up <laughs> <laughs> don't mess it up uh, don't uh, absolutely uh, don't make a complete uh, dogs breakfast of this opportunity you <laughs> have been given um so that was actually most of my focus was on that i wasn't thinking about uh, you know being a woman or being the only one around or being the first one or whatever uh, and it, as it happened in just within a couple of years suddenly it was almost like a perfect storm had been gathering and all these women had been waiting and then just a lot more women started coming into into sports journalism you, you, i mean along with the girls that were hired in uh, midday uh, you started seeing bylines uh, rupa rao um, uh, from uh, bangalore uh, nidhi kapoor raj you know you started seeing all kinds of bylines everywhere so yeah but i i didn't really think about it in that sense of breaking new ground because there was always that i don't know whether it was insecurity or whether it was just uh, Yeah, the the this, not to fit in as much as not to stand out by for being absolutely horrendous, you know. In stand, you didn't want to stand out by being bad. You just wanted to do your stuff and get your stories and do your stuff okay. That's all. I I it it never never stuck. And in that way, midday was great. Midday sent me. I mean, I joined in 1989 November. They sent me to Wimbledon in 1992. Every other sports journalist in. in the country must have wanted to stab me in the back and say you three years in the job you lot in three years you get to go to wimbledon third rate who are you how dare you okay and before that in so 92 in 91 they sent me to sharja to cover a cricket tournament uh the wills trophy international one of those yeah complete now you think about it lots of coaches must have gone on in that in that mm. tournament you know it's the one i don't know if you remember where the street lights had come on and there were no lights on and the match was still going on and uh, india pakistan match was going on and it was dark yes and they yes. were saying yeah yes. that's the one that's the tournament i got yeah and so midday sent you know so midday just gave you the sense of it doesn't matter you have to you know how to do you know how to write stories for us go cover whatever you want you know we'll let you go so 
so uh, that, that way the organization made me feel wanted and made me feel appreciated uh and i i have to say this and i'll never forget it so okay what happened is uh, that on my last day in sharja i am i have either come in after doing some assignment or something or i am about to check out or whatever there's a telex message waiting for me at that time telex telex was a means of communication which by the way i'm sure ashok and sid you have never worked with in your life have no you? never telex. never Never, yeah, yeah. never. Yeah. Huh. So the only, the only telegram I know is the app telegram that is used these days, <laughs> like WhatsApp. <laughs> I mean, like millennials or whatever generation you are. I mean, you have no idea. So this is my theory that when all electronic transmission machines are wiped out with one EMP surge, that will happen because, of course, some nonsense will be going on. Our generation of people will know how to operate telex machine. You see, <laughs> then the world will come back to us and say, "Please, can you operate the telex machine?" And we will know how to do it. Except there will be no one to receive at the other end. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this telex machine is waiting for me from uh, Tariq Ansari, who was at that time leading the paper. Khalid Ansari's elder son. Uh, he was uh, running the paper at the time, and it was just to, you know. And the message said. we are so proud of you you have done such a good job we are you know fantastic and like welcome back and we are so happy to have sent you in my life i have never got a letter from any of my employers i love all my employers thank you very much but I, so that was the kind of vibe that there was in midday you know i think that had a lot to do with uh, what how i dealt with everything else that i faced later on is that i initially i came i, I was made to come i was made to grow up in a very secure environment um in that sense wow really really amazing ashoka have you recovered from that imran khan interview uh, <laughs> yet <laughs> yeah yeah i will eventually i will but uh, no the, i was expecting some story of like great adventure where you finally nothing. get to meet nothing you nothing. just went and said i want to meet him on the phone no no but then he left tickets and all for us how happy we were about that yeah He left tickets for us for these three some piddly egos. He doesn't know who the hell we are. He left us tickets. Yeah, nothing. He called up. He picked up some Shahzia Khan boss. He can move mountains. Yeah, in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. absolutely some, composed voice. Yeah, some five years ago, uh, when uh, uh, I happened to be in the TNPL final, I think the first ever TNPL final uh, oh. in Chepak. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, Uh, I was on work there, uh, so so one of my colleagues spotted Alan Border, and uh, uh, uh. I just went and sat with him and said, "Sir, great pleasure to meet you." And he said, "Yeah, yeah, fine," and all that. Uh. We had chat for five minutes. Uh, how was the uh. match going and stuff like that? Uh. And I came back and I forgot that I did not take a picture of with him. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling much better to hear that. So yeah, so for and the next. And this is when you have a mobile phone in your hand. Please think yeah. of us who are using some camera, which one of us only knew how to operate. So for the next one and a half hours, uh, three of us colleagues were uh, uh, putting like devious plans of how to go back and without disturbing him, how to take a picture which looks like. So, uh, yeah, he eventually we did not get the picture because he moved into uh, he had other commitments. He moved away from there. Oh so. gosh, terrible! But I have to tell you this other thing that we did uh, uh, this time at the World Cup in uh, England. Uh, me and Kaushik from Kickbaz, and Kaushik is mind you in his first World Cup. I have covered a few World Cups before. I am absolutely at 
dotage you know i should not behave like pan girl but in bristol where it was raining also rained everywhere i went wasi makram and makar yunus are in the same place they are both doing uh, things for very two various tv channels so kaushika and i are watching like hawks the moment wasi makram and makar yunus are together talking to each other we will go zipping over and get a photography and that's actually what we did for the first <laughs> time in my life i behaved like a complete fan girl and i went and got picture with both of them i'm standing in the middle they're standing on either side of me i said that's it i don't know how many of our world cups i'm going to cover this i've got me and the two w's and ravola looks at the photograph and says yeah you should comb your hair yeah <laughs> <laughs> are you aware of this anti national act that you have committed <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but my first act only was anti national the first thing you need to be imran khan means what that's true yeah now. you began as an anti national <laughs> no, began only anti national but that's uh, okay because uh, that, that is pre history right history only began yeah. in the last 6 or 7 years so correct correct that we have to accept that and they only got educated about nationalism in the last 7 years Six, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Six before Six. this uh, podcast gets banned, <laughs> we go into territories that gets this podcast banned. <laughs> Let me come back to so so with such and a studio and phone destroyed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so with such great opportunities uh, and such a great environment in midday, what yeah. uh, got you to leave and go to the Hindu? Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, when you think about it, I'm saying, what were you thinking? Uh-huh. I think. the the whole thing about uh, midday and i mean the hindu was a national paper it was the parent company of sports star please remember this said yes sports yes. star yeah. yeah all my stolen posters from sports star so uh, when i when, when i was made the offer i think i had worked four and a half years for midday and for me to say that oh, i thought i had done my time and was absolutely wrong it's rubbish because I was just starting. I mean, I don't think as a sports journalist you ever figure out where you are and what you're about until you've done about ten years and you say, "What the hell have I grown up doing?" <laughs> and uh, but like, yeah, like after Imran Khan downhill. So uh, uh, I think the idea of working for a national paper, for working for a morning uh, was uh, maybe one of those things. Um, I'm trying to remember if I had any falling out with anybody. Admitted nothing of the sort. I think because it was a bigger place. I think it was a bigger. established established organization uh maybe seen as a more serious organization in that sense um uh, you know that i that i think i decided to move i i have no memory of uh you know now i'm thinking about it in the isic but but i remember uh when i said that i would leave i felt absolutely awful because everyone feels if you have your if your first job is the one that you really enjoy it's very hard to leave it because you're very emotionally attached to the organization and it's literally like you feel you're stabbing them in the back you know then when you get older you realize that hello it's an organization they will manage without you please go on to wherever else you want to go so i think that's what was there and and then that that uh, it was good for me to work at the hindu for uh, the amount of time that i did i think i did i did go there because it was a large organization and it was a morning and it was a serious paper midday was seen that you know the tabloid paper part of bombay this is what we did but it was great trade so and the environment must have been vastly different too hindu being the more traditional old style newspaper yeah. and midday it, being it, like the freewheeling uh, yeah, young yeah, newspaper yeah. and yeah. and it and used to have the page 3 midday had the page 3 for a long time which is not a sun magazine page 3 but it had like you know 
glamorous photos of women on page three, and they were absolutely not uh, embarrassed about it at all. It was called Midday Mate. In oh. case anyone remembers, yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you would. <laughs> so, uh, what were you saying? No, no, no. Yeah. So uh, uh, the uh, environment of work at the Hindu completely, world. completely, completely, completely very different. Uh, I, I mean, conversation was very, very different. Uh, and I remember I have met I had met Mr. Krishnan, who was the sports editor, editor at the Hindu, about twice uh, in my six and a half years there, and I would have spoken to him about maybe five, six, maximum ten times in about six and a half years that I was there on the phone. So it was, a, but again, it was a great organization uh, because again, you got a kind of a rigor and a discipline in your writing and your work uh, that helped you, you know, uh, the, the one thing, because in, in midday, you're always going to events to do some story that is different from what the morning papers are going to write. So it was, obviously it was an interview or some post-match uh, quotes or uh, let's, go, let's go and speak to the person uh, who was standing by the door uh, who, or who took the drink out to the player when he fell down or whatever. You know, it was that kind of, it was like a different story that you had to do. In midday I, speak, I, uh, the angle. The angle, yeah. Angle chahiye. Angle, <laughs> angle, uh, angle chahiye, yeah, yeah. You, you, obviously, Clayton, you had many conversations with our friend Clayton Morzello. Yeah. It was angle, you had a different angle. Everything was a different angle. Yeah. And uh, and the time uh, I have written a profile of a horse also by the way the favorite <laughs> for the derby I have written a profile of the horse Starfire Girl love it <laughs> so uh, so the Hindu was completely of course completely different no angle by just tell what tell us what happened in the match so you had to you had to write your own scorecard and send in the scorecard included table tennis scores which were about four hundred words of scores and about uh, one hundred fifty words of story. But scores had to go exact. Uh, and uh, you had to... Um, so it, the habit that you got into then with the Hindu was you had to be at the first... During a cricket match, you had to be there when the first ball was being bowled and, at the, and leave, of course, only after the last ball is bowled and your press conference work is done. So, so many times that these... In number of Dilip Trophy or Ranji Trophy or local matches that I had to go to cover, the only people at the ground were the players the stadium officials, the scorers and the Hindu reporter. That was it. And the Hindu reporter was always there. So that was, it was like, you absolutely could not miss with that. And I didn't, I took it very seriously. And I used to travel with a calculator uh, because I was very bad at uh, adding up scores and everything. So the calculator had to add up. So even the scorer gave you the scores, you had to double check. That was like, you could not send a wrong scorecard to the desk because you thought someone would catch you and you'd be fired the next day. But uh, yeah, so that was a, that was very 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 different. I did a lot of uh, first class cricket. Uh, I reported on matches from Surat and Valsad and uh, in that western region. Did a lot of tennis. Covered sailing, which I absolutely love reporting on. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a completely different experience, and it had a certain uh, discipline to it. I think that was good for me to get at that time uh, when I did. And you wrote for Sportstar. Uh, they allowed you to do interviews. I interviewed Kamlesh Mehta, the table tennis uh, champion, uh, when he retired. And it was a nine-page interview and Sportstar carried every single word of whatever I asked. And he answered. <laughs> wow. So, so you covered sailing. <laughs> love it. Love it. Absolutely love it, Anand. It is the greatest. I love cricket, but 
to report on ceiling nothing like it because do you say as well see you're bad or what you know <laughs> I I mean I love both. How I love how do you team. cover it then? Okay, you talk to sailors, and they tell you what happened. So what <laughs> happens is that the ceiling, the gutter, or whatever, wherever you go, uh, if you want, they will take you to to the course, and and they'll take you to three or four parts of the course, which is where the boats come around and change direction, and you can see them going from, uh, you know, you can see them, you can see them going from, uh, you can see the lead changing. you know you can see them coming or they're coming for that line where they make the switch and once they take the take the turn so it depends on who takes the turn the fastest which angle is he coming from uh, what the weather is like what what course has he decided to go on because he's read the wind better than the other guy whatever where wind weather tide whatever whatever anyway so with the sailing thing is that it's 2:30 in the afternoon you are out in the sea You are carrying one notebook and one pen. That time we had no mobile phones, and everybody else in the world is working in their office. And you are saying, "This is my job. I have to write about this." I am sitting in the outdoors in the sea. The the, the breeze is blowing. Boats are coming. We are. We, in some time, the, we will see the boats arrive, so we will know who takes the turn, where who takes the lead. You will make. You will take down notes. You will very faithfully write down what you see, and then after that, you will go and ask the sailors, "This is what you saw. Is this what happened? What happened on this leg? What happened on this leg?" and that's your story absolutely the best thing we did this me sunil warrior and anand nekatrama reporter from the indian express at the time we covered 8 8 or 10 days of world enterprise sailing championships in goa oh wow <laughs> <laughs> you get you know i told you greatest sport to come And I think all these uh, in all these sports, I mean, because the co- uh, number of people covering was so few, and Three because people. the number of yeah, I think the people who take part in these sports really respect you, and they talk to you, and they want you yeah. to write as yeah. much as possible about yeah. them. Yeah, and you know, you are going there finding eight hundred words, say six hundred words, and no one in Hindu sports that cares who has won the fourth race of the World Enterprise Sailing Championships. They know that our space has to be given to this, so they are waiting for it. You have religiously gone there, spoken to one British sailor, one Pakistani sailor, one see Pakistanis again, uh, one uh, uh, Irish fellow, one Bangladeshi. They have told you things. They have told you, "Arey, that fellow was cheating." We have been, uh, we are complaining about it. We are going to, do, <laughs> uh, we have gone into what is it called? What is that? <clears throat> some protest. Uh, protest is going on, and some discussion is going on, and whatever. And the funniest is when suppose they, they all, they all are going to, you know. You, that at you there when that when you see them come around the corner and you go from the from the first leg to the second leg or the final leg or whatever and there's a massive like fighting is going on you know who's going to take the take the mark first because the person who takes the mark first is the person who usually gets the lead on the next leg and you can hear them swearing at each other all these three three boats six people shouting and swearing at each other basically it's like thing you know traffic mein hota hai na mere ko jaane de mere ko jaane de kya kar raha hai tu वॉटर <laughs> It was just such fun to report on sea, because yeah, we are three reporters there. 
and they all so all the sailing people i know i can see them in now anywhere and uh, they'll remember me from hindu and i'll remember them you know but uh, in the hindu you were at the hindu uh-huh. during um, the world cup right the 1996 world cup that was in india yes 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 i was at the hindu during that world cup and i got to uh because i was a fairly junior reporter at the time so obviously i didn't get to do any of the india games i was doing a lot of ranji trophy but remember at the time a generation of players called rahul dravid and saurav ganguly were coming through first class cricket at the time you see so i was getting to see them and getting to see their matches and getting to know and so i know all, and vvs lakshman vvs lakshman yeah so you you met all those people back then kind of a thing so which is good you know which is which is good for you if you have to make contacts or just to for people to say okay that's the reporter and it's not strange that she's female because she's there she turns up it's okay uh, like um, i remember going to surat you know surat has a new stadium lalbai contractor stadium now they have internationals or something recently yeah there, there were some uh, women's cricket matches there which were sold out recently right yes, or last yes. year so, yeah so yeah. the lalbai contractor stadium just after the uh, so was was i had covered a match in that when the stadium was still not fully constructed i as in that the basic clubhouse or whatever area pavilion area uh, it was a construction site and there was a shamiana separate there was like a shamiana cloth separating the two dressing rooms and we were sitting on the first floor as reporter uh, hemant kekre was also there and we had like girders and rubble and sacks of sand or cement and all lying around so it was like that was lalbai contractor stadium and similarly with uh, the other hindu game i had uh, match at dan was in the stadium in indore which has now become the grand holkar stadium it was called the usha rajya trust ground and it had again one small like a shed or a shell like a concrete block uh which had uh, the two dressing space for two dressing rooms and a shamiana for the uh, reporters over there and just grass and the and that's it you know so but it was it was fun doing all those doing all the domestic matches but again at that time the kind of uh, ease with which people got used to you being there and i look at now i just feel i was just so fortunate that it was like that So ninety six, uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. So ninety six, yeah. you got a great chance to interview again all these stars who were there. Yeah, yeah. But that time you didn't uh, interview all the big stars. Or yeah, there was a got... famous. There's a photo I've seen though of you sitting on the uh, lawn. <laughs> yeah. Of the yeah. Wankhede. I think it was Wankhede. Yeah. No, no, no. Bombay Jeep. Bombay Jeep. Ah, uh, Bombay Jeep. What, what happened there is that the Australians came to train. Ah. Uh. The Australians came to train uh, in the Bombay Gym, and so me and Amit Karmarka from midday. we went to interview steve war ha ah, we said we will go to interview steve war so or we went as in that was that we thought we'll take take a chance and do it and also taylor finishes his press conference and steve war said there okay these two reporters were there they want to talk to you but that time it's only two of us mind you and it's steve war it's not like it's some ordinary uh, cricketer at the time uh, this he has already won a world cup so So he said, "Okay, fine." And he uh, said, "He'll sit in the." And we said, "Do you want to sit in the shade?" Because of course we wanted to sit in the shade. But he was like, "No, I'm fine here." He was wearing his sunglasses. So we sat down next to him and at, at his feet, and we interviewed him. So we got to do some of that stuff. Uh, but I didn't get to cover the India Australia match. Um, I, I wasn't doing that match. It wasn't my match to do. It was uh, GV. Uh, he was senior. He was doing the match. I was doing the one that was. Two days after that, which was Kenya versus West Indies in Pune, which so was an even better match to cover. Yes, <laughs> yes which was a, which was a match 
which is the match that was taking place when Pakistan was playing South Africa on the same day. And everyone, so the, so in, the one, in the Maharashtra, that Nehru Stadium, in the MCA office, the TV was on because everyone said, what is this West Indies and Kenya is playing? We will watch Pakistan on. They kept the television on because then the serious match would start. And then we know what happened. <laughs> so it was like just, seriously, at that time when the result came, I got, I got like main story in the Hindu, massive eight column, like almost half page. Whatever I wanted to write about that match, I was able to write. Nobody touched my copy. Nobody did anything. <laughs> because normally one sub with the Hindu, depending on who the sub was, if there was a strict sub, all your fancy flourishes and your little jokes and everything would just be killed, destroyed. <laughs> if the sub was slightly, maybe someone your age, slightly closer, who had a bit of a, who was like a bit, a sense of fun, then you, and you knew, you could tell. When you wrote a cricket report, you knew what kind of treatment your copy was for by seeing the next day what was published. That copy was the best. That <laughs> copy just got like, ace coverage, ace coverage. I have, I have, I've got clippings of the whole page. I got clippings of just the that that particular uh, clip. And ask, don't ask me what I'm going to do with it. It's there to see. Well, one of the people who had worked for the Hindu, I won't take names here, had said that no. the Hindu desk is where metaphors go to die. So, <laughs> any metaphor killed, over, gone, <laughs> yeah. destroyed ruthlessly. But I, you know what used to happen? So this was like it was like my way of doing it. Oh, I said okay. Looks like this is going to be a good match for me to cover because the sub hasn't like absolutely turned my copy into, you know, uh, it hasn't it hasn't been made into agency. Uh. So as if it's not being made into agency, that means you can put in jokes, you can put in metaphors, you can put in analogy, you can put in either or you can slip in whatever you want, you know. But it, it was fun. You, I, it was good, and you but all your creative writing side and all you would take it out in the magazine. I remember actually it was so embarrassing. Huh? I actually wrote a thing. I saw Graham Pollock play a cover drive in Brabant Stadium in a... BSA Masters. Masters Cup. <laughs> that was great. That was also a great thing. It was just unbelievable because he, was, he wasn't young at the time. Hmm. And he was not... But he just stepped out and it's like he could see it. You know, he could... Like the ball had got cover drive written on it. And he just stepped out. He made chutney of that ball. And he played with it completely beauty like you know left-handers beauty it was left-handed beauty so I wrote about it and I said something something and something like this is called God it was just cut out of the copy immediately <laughs> I, said, you know, I was trying to say what it's like to see the old the great players of that generation play and all and he, I said something like I can't remember it was just completely overblown sort of praise in which I compared Graham Pollock cover drive or Graham Pollock only to God hmm. and no chance of it surviving in the Hindu but uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, Masters Cup, I can't remember how many games I did. And I went and interviewed Kim Hughes at that time, who was my hero before he reached, left and went to South Africa. But he was good. He was good. I was shocked that he and Ian Chappell had made peace because I had it in my head till then. <laughs> so you have to tell us about your other hero because you went to the 96 World Cup to yeah. uh, that match to interview Steve Waugh, but not your favorite cricketer, Mark Taylor. I know, yeah. <laughs> But I think this is before Peshawar, no. So Peshawar ah, is when the, when the, that time my favorite cricketer was Kim Hughes, who I was still nursing grudges against uh, Dennis Lilly and everybody for being mean to Kim Hughes. But uh, you have, I'll link that piece that you wrote about yes. Mark Taylor. It was such a fantastic yes. piece. So what, yes. what, yes. what do you to him? The Peshawar declaration. So he wasn't the most scintillating batsman to watch, one must confess. But he never got out. He was like, like reliable, stolid, sort of, you know, old style, uh, what is that word? Nuggety. 
Uh-huh. I don't like it all, but it's used a lot. He was that kind. But as a captain, he was just genius. He could just do pull things out of nowhere. You know, he had he had an ability, intrinsic ability to to take a risk and to know how to work with the players that he had with him. You know, uh, when uh, because in '95 they had gone and uh, beaten West Indies, which at that time was a massive uh, win in the West Indies. Then he had like bachas with him. And for and for the fact that the Australians had not reached that level of, uh, we are going to talk, uh, we are going to uh, treat you like you are absolute garbage and you don't deserve to play us. Okay, don't play us then. You know, <laughs> and reach that level, that nonsense level they had not reached yet. That's Steve, I think that was under Steve Waugh's captain. The mental disintegration, nonsense, and all was not there. They were competitive, but they were not. They were not in that that kind of righteous kind of. They hadn't reached the righteous brothers stage yet. So uh, the big story around that time when you were covering, I mean, you of course uh, were not, uh, I guess, doing that many uh, tours and international games and things. But the, of course, the overarching story of that nine, mid late nineties was match fixing. Yeah. Yes. So uh, you know, uh, and of course, we'll come to you know your two thousand coverage of the aftermath. But yeah. uh, tell us also about when things were going on. I mean, uh, there were always uh, you speak to journalists; they tell you the murmurs were always there, but because of no conclusive proof nothing could be put in print did you feel the same way <clears throat> no we were just utterly clueless oh we really had no idea no hmm. idea what bookies were we had a sense there is something called bookies ah now i have this is what 90s i am not i am in my 20s okay yeah. at the time ah, <clears throat> extreme stage of naivety and uh, sort of hero worship is there still uh you'd believe that cricketers will not do wrong you know all that kind of phase that you have uh and of course this is in the zamana before all everything broke out you kept hearing things about fixing betting bookies but at that time you know there was not uh, we didn't have phones in the press box uh, it was all very much in this gray area of not knowing what the hell was going on Not even understanding the illegal bookie network or mafia network, and you could not imagine that somebody would uh, throw a match. You know, it was beyond your imagination because, of course, a cricketer was seen as a noble thing, and of course, now we know better, a noble being and everything. Uh, so, I, I did very little international cricket. I covered uh, one one-day series in Sark Cup in. uh bangladesh which was india a versus samadwe bangladesh beaters sadi patel was a coach and he said to, uh, to the extreme delight of the bangladeshi press that was standing there that uh, the little brothers have beaten the big brothers <laughs> so full but and that time that was also i remember so that was one international tournament that i had gone for and then i went to sri lanka to cover in 96 just after the bomb blast A huge in Jan 31st uh, World Trade Center bombing in Sri Lanka. I went to do one of the matches that was played there. Zimbabwe uh, versus Sri Lanka, and and West Indies and Australia and all would go. No, so I, I went to cover. So that was the only international cricket I did. I think only Zimbabwe and uh, Kenya <laughs> went there at that time yeah, for that World yeah, Cup. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, so uh, so I didn't do any. I, I didn't do any India cricket at all. At all meaning at all. And there was a story in '97 that Outlook published. Yeah, you know, which kind of tried to explain to us what was there, and these people are taking money, and it was just too murky. 
and only when the hansi cronia thing broke up is that what you understood like the degree and the scale and like the venality of it uh you know and and uh, it was shocking for me to hear the names that came up at the time azhar for one i think even people who knew him well were shocked to hear that he was there because azhar was to all azhar treated us treated me uh quite indulgently and quite like you know in a very kind of a relaxed manner and he would away when i was in midday he would give interview and he would talk to you an angle ka story you would get and you know i actually azhar once for a midday interview i had gone for a junket to for the inauguration of you know this country club that's there in uh, hyderabad no the i don't country club huh. you have not seen the country club ad uh, ashok no. you have to see i've seen the country club ad yeah no i, I haven't seen the country club ad no. are please do google search for country club ad Okay. So there is this thing called the Country Club, which is inaugurated in Hyderabad, and I was sent for the junket. I once in a while midday would say, "Acha, you have worked too much. Go for junket." And uh, I so tell know, uh, you have to explain. Uh, maybe many listeners may not know what is this junket. Oh, okay. <laughs> a junket is basically when you go to something that is not at all important, but you have to. You are the. They want some coverage in your paper. so they give they give the journalist basically a free trip and then you write about it huh. now usually that happens for hotels uh, like when the ramada renaissance is opening in goa i they gave me the junket to go and i didn't know what to do there because i was by myself in this fancy hotel and uh, because i'd been working like a donkey i used to you know just when you start out with your first job you have full josh so you just work like 16 hours a day without thinking and i i didn't know what to do with free time and of course uh, so that was one junket and country club inauguration was another junket and you go there and you write a feature for the features uh, magazine about it so in that junket i was invited to azruddin's house to meet his wife and his two children and his i i met his boys when they were very very small i mean the second boy had just been born at the time and it was quite so he was that kind of a person you know he was just he had that he, he wasn't uh the most charismatic in the definition of charismatic but he just seemed like a very good guy hmm. and uh, as like a regular sort of a fellow and then to hear the story about him on matchbox you know it was just unreal it was unreal so for a lot of us we struggled to even come to terms with it. and crony at the time i must tell you this story about crony okay now in this 1992 i went to uh, that sharja tournament for midday and uh, me and kuldeep lal thanks to kuldeep lal i got a chance to break the story of these three officials who had come from south africa when south africa is going to be readmitted into international cricket now that is a big story mostly my paper had more sense to carry it than they carried the tendulkar story so it got solid coverage and all that we reached the airport at about 3 o'clock in the morning and then ali bakka jeff takkin and krish makadooj were there and they gave us absolutely interview and midday could publish it the next day because it, it's uh, um, deadline was i think 7 in the morning or something like that and of course we had the story by then so i went to interview ali bakkar after that at some point and he said to me he said uh, there is a young man in our country i'm paraphrasing what he's saying and uh, he uh, there's a young man in our country his name is hansi cronie he's 21 years old but he no he wasn't 20 he twenty one day when he became captain he said there's a young man in the country uh, his name is hansi krone remember him because he is going to become a remarkable he is going to he's a he's a he's a sort of captain for, for the future you know he's a big star and he took his name with such respect 
that I never forgot Hansi's day. And then Hansi became captain and then, you know, the whole legend of Hansi was born and all. And then the Delhi police had that press conference. So uh, you cannot, you know, you it, it was incomprehensible because he was like the, uh, he was like the uphold, he would have been like Mr. Cricket, you know, before the name was given to Mike, it was Mike Hussey's name. He was like seen as, as this kind of really uh, up, outstanding, upright, you know, stood for all the good things that cricket was supposed to be for, all of that. He was that. And for that, for him to, for, for him to be that kind of person, it was just, I mean, we were all, I mean, I was definitely, I was shocked. I mean, then that you started believing, because, but because we read that story in the Outlook magazine, you knew something was up, but we were shocked. And when then the proof started coming out, then you just said, oh, forget it. You know, this is, this is just not, uh, you have to kind of grow old, you have to grow up pretty fast. And, and Hansi Kronia, I remember one of the distinct images I have of him in that 96-97 when he came to India for that series. And yeah. they had that Titan Cup also. Yes, Whenever yes, there used yes. to be a post-match press conference, the post-match uh, presentation, you know, when uh, yes. he had to come and talk to the commentators, he used yes. to always remove his cap. And then he would talk. Yes. And then he would put his cap yes. back on. Yes. And you yes. thought, oh, what a gentleman. He's so yes. amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it is such, you know, imagine it is something. He was like the Kane Williamson of his time. Yeah, exactly, know? yeah. In a different kind of a way. I mean, uh, Williamson is a slightly different, uh, poor Williamson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he, honestly, he had that kind of, he had that kind of, this is before social media was social, uh, and that kind of thing, but he had that kind of a, uh, image and he had that kind of respect in the in the world of cricket for being just absolutely solid, you know, guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like you know, you can bet your uh, like he he's absolutely you, you want to marry your daughter to him or whatever it is, you know, the <laughs> whole thing. Yeah, marry your daughter, make him captain, uh, give him your give him your company to run, whatever. Give him your give house, him your, give him everything. Uh, give him your house, mortgage your jewelry to him, whatever. <laughs> you know that he was like everything. He was like everything. And not not an outstanding uh, uh, cricketer per se, just a very good and a very sort of fight, uh, hard, uh, constantly battling kind of a player, um, and uh, all around the whole the whole he was like a complete package of goodness, you know. And and great captaincy yeah. record as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. Phenomenal exactly. record. And then when he became captain, uh, apparently the, the, then we read this story and this you were like so impressed by it. Someone asked him that um, uh, whether he wanted to be. Uh, what was that he said? He said, "What will you be willing to give up to be captain of South Africa?" He said, "I'll, I'll he said, I'll give up my youth." Oh wow! Apparently, yeah. Can you imagine? So full of quotes also. You know? <laughs> yeah. What are you willing to give up? Uh, uh, my youth? You know. So he was like that, and then you heard the story of him and that shady fellow and leather jackets, and you're saying, "What the hell, yeah." Yeah. And then after that, then you just believe like, you're like okay, <laughs> and then after that, you go to South Africa in 2000 for the King Commission hearing, and you yeah. see him break down like that. And tell us about yeah. that whole trip. Yeah, that, that was just another. That was a crazy, crazy story because I am here in Hindu covering uh, like uh, Valsad, Dulip Trophy, <laughs> Shamiana. <laughs> Shabiana, uh, uh, women's ITF $25,000 women's tennis tournament. I made great friends in, in that because I was with all, all kinds of sports people at the time. You're covering all that. Then you join India today. 
because of course why is joining india today because my my uh, because of uh, you think are you have to only write one story in a week what is it to do of course you can do it yeah easy 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 peasy so and of course in india today that time it had a reputation it didn't have these crappy tv channels that are there with it now and these absolutely rubbish things that they are doing in social media these days i mean they can now it's okay they paid on me all my dues and i'm very happy uh and they were very good to me and for my career they were fabulous but the the india today that is there now and what it was even when i joined is just two different worlds anyhow enough of the ranting so i joined india today and then i'm told that uh so this is about i've joined on the tuesday or something like that or so i can't remember what the day was and i'm told that you know uh the big story in cricket is now uh happening in south africa there is the king commission uh we think you should go and uh, write us a cover story i was just saying what but i don't know anything about anything <laughs> and then i said okay i will do it what is wrong okay why have i joined india today at the moment what will i do they'll sack me only i'll write a rubbish story at least i'll get to go to south africa and see what's happening and come back so when i'm filling in the visa and my visa form is filling in south africa visa form and then of course it, it, because india today people were connected to like everybody you know like they're connected to the highest office of the land kind of a thing that's what you felt in imagination that of calls are being made to the south african high commissioner this is happening that is happening the person is being giving all the okay okay let us fill the forms and all that i feel in south africa how long have you been employed in this in the in your current organization i have been employed for two days Two days. <laughs> so I write, uh, and I'm told that you have to go to South Africa. So I wrote less than one year. <laughs> that was the answer I put. Less than one year, and yes, I'm going to South Africa. And literally, I I could go and get my visa within uh, say I submitted it at four o'clock one day. Next day at twelve o'clock, they said go to the office and collect. So this was like the wheels of power had moved and everything. so I, i go to south africa and of course this place in south africa you going to absolutely hard times and you know, oh god what to do the people have to do this really hard yeah cape town i am going to cape town <laughs> so i reach cape it's completely surreal and alien it is july june july and i think okay but it is freezing because it is the southern hemisphere and i am wearing salwar kameez <laughs> there is no way there is no way How I survived that trip because of Mr. Pramakar, who was a Hindu's correspondent in South Africa. I'm borrowing his jacket. I'm borrowing this. I'm borrowing that from various people, and some other people were there, so they're letting me stuff. Anyway, so you go not Manoj Pramakar. You're one of your favorite cricketers. <laughs> no, no, not Manoj Pramakar. No. <laughs> M. L. Pramakar. Okay. Pramakar. He was uh, Hindu's correspondent there. Uh, so. Uh, you know when you go there into this kings commission thing it was just uh, again it was unreal because anyone of the street could walk in and listen to the commission hearing and as a reporter you're standing there with pen and paper you're surrounded by like the average normal people of south africa watching what the hell has happened to this hero and he's sitting there in his chair and he's becoming smaller and smaller and smaller you know because the judge is just like kind of the 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 prosecutor is just hammering him and the judge and the judge looks at him and he says mr cronier the truth has set you free and i was thinking thank you my story is there <laughs> <laughs> the headline has arrived <laughs> headline has arrived but remember this is india today so you have to do like hazar other things ha. around it and all that but whatever but in in terms of that i never forgot that time so mr and the judge was trying to be kind of as you know understanding 
but uh, he was a judge so he knew what the hell was going on and uh, cronier was just literally it was like he was crumpling in front of your eyes and you could see the thing and you could see that he was genuinely contrite and then he said this other thing which again is a stage stuck in my head he said i cannot tell you the shame i feel and the unfortunate love i have for money no oh, okay very sad Hmm. And, and, he, and he said this like in front of you and you're hmm. standing there and you're saying you know three days ago I was in Delhi and I was in, in, entering my job my new office for the first day and I'm standing in front of a distant to Cronier saying I cannot tell you the shame I feel and the unfortunate love I have for money and you know in, in that in those two sentences it kind of explains to you what uh, happens to even the most maybe not everybody what happens to people that are the unfortunate love for money is something that will either you do either it's not you don't love it that much or if you love it then it just can destroy you which is what it did to cron you know uh in that sense. so yeah. it was literally like seeing your hero not your hero but somebody who was he, he must have been the hero to so many people that was the thing you know because what he stood for was was an admirable quality it was an ab- admirable ideal and then uh, it just kind of fell apart because he wanted a bloody leather jacket you know some nonsense 50000 dollar watch <laughs> some rubbish a piece of junk which doesn't mean anything in the long run and you're thinking why did you do it you know why do why do you do things like this but people do it over and over again yeah and i think they do it also because they they think they can get away with it correct correct and uh, i i wrote this piece for krikinpo when the salman butt and that entire thing happened with asif and all that called yeah. why do sportsmen go corrupt i'm of course shamelessly plugging the piece here no no shame be shameless we will also plug it don't worry <laughs> yeah. because so i spoke to psychologists i spoke to i said mike brelly sent me answers to an email i spoke to sandy gordon uh, i did i spoke to some human research person who had kind of human resources person who had conducted a research on it's called some kind of it's a personality kind of thing is it in an environment like this where you have sports people which are who are talented all alpha, everyone is alpha male fundamentally not like any there'll always be that kind of a personality attracts uh those kind of you know this uh, attracts uh, they want to take a risk they want to take a dare they, i don't know if you go to we'll all get sued for defamation if you use ajay jadeja's name it's like that kind of a personality sort of a classic thing to say i can get away with it man hmm. you know you are so stupid i can get away with this and uh, hansi proni was not that kind of a person but he certainly had uh, that uh, would have had uh, a, a certain uh sort of attraction towards uh doing something dangerous you know doing something i mean if you can it. gather your whole team around and tell them <laughs> that they all have to throw that mohindra amarnath benefit match or whatever yeah. that nonsense yeah. they played yeah. i mean that takes some kind of delusional grandeur to think that you can get your whole team to yeah. fall in with yeah. this uh, trap yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so if that's your that's your personality you are that type of person Mm. uh who thinks that you you will get away with it and that you love uh, sort of going on the edges of what is acceptable or legal and uh, and that you also you are easily bored because you do you can you you've got away with it in the past also so you just want another thrill kind of a thing 
that was my analysis of this great thing which you will please read in that piece that I'm plugging yeah, yeah. but it, but it, also isn't yeah. isn't it also that uh, there is actually a divide between the cricketers of the 80s and the 90s purely not in terms of individuals but mm. cricket as a game uh, it became mm. a wider market in the 90s so so uh, economically your uh, yeah. your earning capacity went way yes. higher yes. right and and yes. and most of the cricketers who came in the 90s were born in the 70s and 80s right like uh, yes. 70s at least yes so from a lower middle class to uh, a decent paying job now you have a shot at being a millionaire yeah. uh, at least at least with azhar that was the case right like from humble beginnings I mean, now he had a shot i shot at her yeah i mean i, uh, I have a theory about azhar uh, which uh, is maybe is just you know on the basis of the fact that i remember him as a, is, as that sort of uh, captain figure who was uh, you know good to a junior reporter like me at the time so i have a feeling other got caught into it because he was a bit of a bola in many ways you know and i feel he got caught into it and before he knew what he could do he was stuck and then he kind of uh, sort of he he um, but this is just a theory based on absolutely nothing and certainly not on the nonsense movie that they made uh, <laughs> yeah that that should be banned yeah. if anything should be banned <laughs> yeah, that yeah, really really and he and then he got tried to sort of rationalize it as he went along you know i would really love to be able to sit down and talk to him and say listen what happened can you tell us because he is still uh, i have to say he still very much loved and uh, thought about other regretfully across people who knew him you know who who were growing up younger players growing up at the time uh, sort of devious lakshman generation they think of him very differently Uh, than they do say of other individuals involved in the entire saga uh, whose names i cannot take um, so that that i think but that's my other thing i don't think that it would have happened to uh, you know the thing about the the the, the stuff about uh, money that you're saying that they suddenly came into a lot of money of course that is a factor but uh, why is it then a factor for people so in that in that story that i wrote the article that i wrote i said the same thing that uh, people of the same like how can two people uh, from the same family respond to a bookies uh, asking them for information uh, in different ways steve war and mark war you know you got two different responses from it how can people who are like salman but came from a very uh, pedigreed very cultured upper class educated uh family spoke good english therefore one over the entire english press very easily how how did he fall for it what was that that kind of thing so there's something that's why my that's why i believe that that thing about personality comes into it and uh, uh would a would a would a cricketer from the 60s or the 70s have thrown a match if he'd been asked we don't know because human nature i don't think it changes uh beyond Uh, beyond certain sort of basic kind of qualities that exist uh, i think it 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 just depends on what is you know opportunities or uh, the that are in front of you and how do you respond to them some people say yes some people say some people would have refused it across the ages some people would have said like okay um some people would never have refused it you know 
would have said yes to it in any way. So that is that is why it's an, to me it's always an interesting question, uh, pretty much. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, you know distinguishes uh, India and Pakistan in that aftermath of that uh, thing mm. uh, of that whole mm. match fixing is that mm. India were able to then find this uh, core group of cricketers. Yes. Um, you know, if, uh, who were uh, beyond all this, whose integrity was, uh, not, you couldn't yes. question because yes. they had stood up, they were upright. You know, I'm talking about uh, Sachin, yeah. Dravid, Srinath, yeah. Kumble, yeah. Lakshman. Yeah. But Pakistan, all on the other at hand, the same time. Yeah. Yeah, all no, at the same time. Pakistan much. never found yeah. that because Pakistan yeah. always were uh, bumbling from one uh, set of uh, fixers to the next set of fixers. <laughs> but you know, and it's, yeah. it's awfully tragic when you think about it. You know, it's just terrible to imagine, just imagine yourself. Uh, as a cricket fan being in that position and that happening to you over and over again uh, mm. with your team, you know, and you just, how you still be a cricket fan is just, is just crazy and impossible. And, uh, um, and that, that's why then you say that uh, what helped the Indians considerably is along with having those, pe- that, that one group of players that came through in 2000s and so on, is the fact that you then were able to get financial security and financial um, uh, sort of uh, earnings to such a huge degree that for you to compromise even that would be utter stupidity. You know, so that they have, you, you are suddenly, post the IPL particularly, that there is so much money that is there that's available to you that you would have to be a complete, that you can't be bought basically. You're too expensive. And it's not, you don't care about this leather jacket and $50,000 watch, you know. You, you buy it for like every Diwali or whatever. But, but people yeah. have still cared about uh, towels after that also, after IPM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. That is why I read my story, bhai. It is all there. Is. All the answers to all your queries are in that article. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I, I think you're right. I mean, the uh, astronomical earnings has definitely served as a deterrent because how much can a bookie pay compared to what the yeah. uh, yeah. franchise is also yeah. anyway paying? Yeah, any franchise is paying for doing nothing. And you must be getting money niche say from some wherever a different kind of deal for whatever which they can't show because of salary cap and whatever. Let us not pretend that does not happen in IPA. You know, it huh. does. Just because IPA has not been held this year doesn't mean we've forgotten about stuff that goes on. You know, like so, uh, a certain cricketer becoming a managing director of a certain firm. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, vice presidents of other firms. Yeah, um, I am not in the yeah. cricket circle. Even I don't want to take the news. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, very clear, very wise decision. Uh, no, but but tell us about. Me, uh, we will uh, make you. We'll give you defamation only there. We'll open our mouths and defamation will come on us. Holy. <laughs> Ashok, you're being very wise. Uh-huh. So, but tell us about that time. I mean, you were, of course, uh, doing uh, much more of uh, international cricket then. And, you yes. know, you had all these players. And then you soon you had uh, your your uh, lovely friend, the coach, John Wright, come in as the coach. <laughs> and uh, tell us about that whole phase. First because the coach, then, the, then the lovely friend. Uh, yes, first the coach, then the lovely friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. uh, with whom you, of course, with uh, co-authored a book. And uh, let's, but talk, talk us about that time because um, now there is a lot of, uh, there's a tendency to uh, believe that that was an extremely important uh, phase in Indian cricket, which I think it was. But yeah. also, if uh, you take pure numbers and record, it was okay. It was, you know, they yeah. won, they lost, yeah. they won, they lost. But yeah. more than the record, I think there was something about that post match fixing time 
where these cricketers yeah. and that team played a really important role for India, right? I think, uh, you know, if you're looking in terms of the development and the arc of how the team was, that was a very important case, first of all, because of the whole match-fixing uh, uh, thing that they came out of. And you're wondering, like, what if you had gone in after that uh, uh, into having a captain who was sort of 50-50, kind of very detached from whatever was happening, not Cook in any way, but mm. just a, like a regular kind of, not a Ganguly figure who was like in your face and screaming and shouting and, you know, just behaving completely uh, going bananas on the field and just like involved in everything and uh, in his various sort of levels of whatever. So you wonder how things would have turned out. But maybe it's just Kismat, who knows, you know, or destiny or whatever. But the, I, uh, I did a lot of traveling at that time with uh, the Indian team for various things because of India today. And I'm just so grateful uh, to be, have been covering at the time because these guys were number one for journalists, accessible, they didn't take themselves too seriously. They took themselves seriously. They knew what their, their talent and their gift and their this thing was. But they were kind of regular. Uh, and at that time, because maybe there was a television was just about coming through, you know, you did have TV reporters turn up and you did have some nonsense TV programs going on, but just kind of breaking through. But it was a good time because um, you, were, you were always there. There was there were stories to be told and they were willing to tell you those stories and there was like a uh, relationship of trust. Also, what was very, very, uh, again, we are just fortuitous, we are very lucky that the kind of players that were coming through were all together at the same time the greats of the game that India had, you know. I remember, uh, and not just the batting, there was Kumle, who was just a giant figure, uh, and in a quite an understated kind of a way. and uh, But again, very much a product of that time, which was just one of slightly more self-confidence coming into Indian cricket and how they dealt with things. And uh, and uh, so I, I think it may, everyone cries and complains about, oh, after Tendulkar was never the same and whatever, you know. But I think Tendulkar, I think, enjoyed that time and played with much more... Um, uh, I mean, imagine being Tendulkar and <laughs> when you find out later that your team is that people in your team are tanking the match yeah. after you are like busting your chops and you're playing Desert Storm and this and that and everything and then you say Achha, this also was going on I had no <laughs> damn clue you know so I think I think it was a good time for Tendulkar also you know he did he did change the way he batted and the way he played and he'd done all his early years of kind of being the swashbuckler and just I will take I will just clean up every single bowler that comes in front of me um, and destroy you and entertain the masses and still we are losing. And so that was, to me, the 90s I was quite depressing for someone following it from the outside because uh, it was centered around Tendulkar's brilliance as a batsman but are absolutely rubbish performances as a team uh, in tournaments that counted, you know. I used to say that what is this Fizzy Cup we are winning in Sharjah and <laughs> other some nonsense we are winning somewhere else. Fizzy Rink Cup number one and in Singapore and in Toronto and rubbish tournaments we were playing. And when we needed to win big tournaments, we didn't win big, anything big. You know, we were just playing Kachra everywhere. So for me to see uh, uh, what I saw in that team in the 2000 was, of course, all your ex. And then Seva came, like one, <laughs> I don't know from where. Of course, everyone knows from where he was around in Maidans in Delhi beating people up. 
but uh, to have all that come through you've got the sort of a quality of player um collectively that you can't imagine that you'll get again uh you know i mean god bless all the guys that are playing now they are fantastic they all have their own skills and their own uh, qualities uh but i think that that level the caliber of player is very hard to um very hard to kind of repeat and everyone say are what is this they lost everything but yeah but look at the look at the base for where they had begun they had begun from winning one test match outside india in an entire decade one test match and that was in sri lanka that too yeah and that was in sri lanka yeah and uh, so from there to be able to pick themselves up or whatever it was you know someone say any any coach could have done it you know okay whatever but the point is for them to be able to do it and to uh, and and then to push through and i think the most important thing that happened in that time is this whole business of regional kind of selections and also you saw uh, the the demographic of the of the team change whereas the players started everyone says ms dhoni's arrival marks the small the democratization of cricket in india i would say you would have to go back uh, maybe 5 years before dhoni's debut when you harbhajan maybe harbhajan kef yeah. yeah. ss zahir Zahir. Zahir, yeah, Zahir, yeah, yeah. S S Das, you know, she mm, came legend, from Odisha. Legend, yeah, legend, 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 legend. Yeah, yeah, you know. So you had players coming from that time and being made to feel like it was fine for them to be there, you know, for, like they belonged there. And that built the, the building up of the of the team culture, but and also with the bowlers and the bowl instead of this rubbish that went on in which is there in uh, Sanjay Manjrekar's book about what happened to Prabhakar. again my favorite topic um uh, uh that culture that was there with reference to how how bowlers and batsmen and you know this whole uh, it wasn't just your one playing every single test match ganguly was ganguly to das which is this i remember part of me das about it he said he told him that you are going to play six test matches doesn't matter what scores you make just remember this just go out and be free you know don't get don't get tense don't get Uh, this thing, whether that actually would have happened or not, we don't know. But he was he, the fact that the captain of India came and told this kid from Bhubaneswar that this is what it is. You're going to play these test matches, so chill, don't worry. You know, and similarly, then the bowlers to have their own little unit and to look after each other. So, so Srinath was able to look after Zaheer and Nehra, who came after him, who then looked after the next generation of bowlers that followed. You know, and looked after Harbhajan, who then looked. You know, that whole thing that. uh nehra used to live near the uh, his family lives on used to live near the airport in, in janakpuri or somewhere in delhi and wherever shrinath would come shrinath is now mind you in when nehra came he was already playing 6 7 years and uh, more maybe and he would stay at his house you know when they were passing through from airport or whatever so they built up this sort of other camaraderie and this bond with each other the bowlers did Uh, and they also had kind of, uh, they instituted uh, bowling captain fielding captain yeah, batting yeah, captain yeah and that kind of thing followed through so that so, so you were able to change the change the culture in the team which had been quite i mean i'm using uh, we had heard the stories about the 80s you know we heard the stories about the 80s we knew i mean in the 90s you heard that there was rubbish going on as well um there was a story that i remember that it it said uh, someone said that you want me to be able to win a captain for uh, a match for that guy 
you know, and this is because I'm like either the Bombay guy saying this about the Delhi guy, the Delhi guy saying this about the Bombay guy. That was the story mm. that it was. I know the people are involved. I will not take their name. Okay. Um, uh, so you know, so it was that kind of filth that was going on, which which somehow because of this weather, it had to do with just these younger guys who came through, and they were. And, and Dravid talks about the time. He said, "Listen." It was just us. That's it. We were the only. We had made our debut four years ago. It seemed might seem like a long time, but then we were the senior. There were no senior players. They're all gone because match yeah. fixing had like cleaned out on a bunch of people, and it had. It was just us left to manage whatever we wanted. You know, mm. so it was quite quite exceptional in that sense. Maybe we were lucky that we had all these players come at the same time. Maybe that's how teams are made because you have that caliber of talent that comes through all together. And you just take a look at India's top ten Test match run getters and see how many belong to that time. You name all five of them, will be there. You know, so it's uh, maybe I'm over sentimentally attached to them, but it's okay. It's fine. Oh, if you won't be attached to something that you grew up with, what will you be attached to? You know. Yeah, and VBS Lakshman uh, also in his book he says how when he made his debut, which was in '96 uh, against South Africa, yeah. Yeah. he says yeah. how when he in the during the nets. It was, uh, you know, the juniors never spoke to the seniors, and the seniors did yeah. their own thing, and Correct. the juniors did their Correct. own thing. Correct. And that whole senior junior thing, and you know, yeah, mm. yeah. And and yeah. how when uh, the of course the most uh, famous story, one of the most famous stories of uh, Wright's first uh, uh, net session is how he basically uh, found out that uh, players are asking for biscuits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take the biscuits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, biscuits and chairs. He took uh, away all the chairs and, to, and no biscuits. <laughs> no biscuits, no chairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Among among that, and so uh, and there's a story about the first test match that uh, they had in that uh, in Nagpur that he was there. Zimbabwe. And uh. Zimbabwe. Uh, he gave, I think, Srinath it was. He just got a massive shouting, massive in front of uh, the whole team. And then, of course, of course, Srinath was very upset. He said, "What nonsense is this?" And all that. But it was done basically so that players saw that everyone can actually get shouted at. <laughs> so if you can be serious, everyone's going to get shouted at if you don't. If, if you uh, doesn't matter, you're going to get it if you don't do it. Basically, if you don't sort of perform, there's no there's going to be no there's going to be no uh, gradation of uh, shouting <laughs> in 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 the dressing room. Everybody can get shouted at. So and to me, the most extraordinary story out of that was the Sehwag being grabbed by the collar story. Which I did not know until it was told to me by John Wright about his uh, during the book uh, when we were working on the book. I could not imagine that that story had not got out. I this was in England, right? Imagine. When he got out to a loose shot. Two thousand and two. Two thousand and two. Uh-huh. NatWest during the NatWest tournament. I could not imagine that we hadn't got told about the story, which tells you how tight the team unit must have been for that story to stay quiet. And we talked to everybody in that team. Everyone, all of us as reporters, we knew we could chat to anyone in the team. Ganguly, you had to chase to reach. Like I said, you had to be the the right time had to coincide with the right place, and Ganguly had to be there somewhere in the middle. But we could talk to anyone on that team. You know, from the from to up to number eleven. Just think of the mall, Ajay Ratra. Think of anybody in that team. Uh, I'll probably have their number on my phone. My Or in your head, or in your no, no, no. Mobile phones have spoiled that quality. Yeah, destroyed those numbers. Ah, the rhythm is not there. Rhythm is not there. Yeah, yeah. They've taken it away. Uh, what did you? What was uh, one or two things about John Wright that endeared <laughs> you to him, and to write that book and to get to know him better and things like that? 
first of all when you are asked to do something like this and you are given one full briefcase full of uh, notes and mm. diary why on earth will you say no yeah. that is no because you will get to know things that you had never and i did uh, that you had never imagined or seen in your life like as a reporter i mean as a as a cricket reporter cricket journalist whatever i got along with uh, john wright but it was a very sort of a professional and a formal kind of a thing before the we started writing the book uh, before i had to write the book and another story i must tell uh, which said i think you knew it ashok i don't know if you know this one that in 2003 before the world cup uh, every single member of the indian press corps which included print and television was told to gather i think this was on the day of the opening ceremony or the day before the opening ceremony of the south africa world cup was told to gather in the team hotel in some like a function room where we would be given tea and snacks and we could meet anyone on the indian team for an hour we could talk to them whoever we wanted but nothing had to be recorded and no notes were to be taken and there was no cameras and no recorders to come there anyway and we spent an hour chatting to anyone on the team you wanted anybody Uh, this is like a press conference or uh, or no, it is just a casual chat to find out things to ask them things that you ever wanted to everybody came but us. all off the record yeah all off the record everything off the record plus you got chai and snacks what more do you want chai snacks and gossip yeah so all that is unimaginable now unimaginable unimaginable though i have to say in 2015 on the tour of sri lanka uh, about about five or six of us who were slightly older journalists were called for a chat after the uh, second test match when india equaled uh, we lost in gold and won at uh, the pisara mm. so that's when we was called to just have a chat with shastri and kohli and you know about about six or seven of us as the about the older people so me kaushik kuldeep lal a couple of guys and it was, it was fairly pleasant there was uh, there was um, ravi shastri there was sanjay bangar there was uh, bharat arun and kohli ke so that wasn't bad but something like this is the whole team comes for one hour never so but uh, no so chance. is it no uh, i mean this whole uh, i don't know this is the impression i get from outside but you can confirm that there seems to be at the moment at least last few years a sense of animosity between press and uh, the <laughs> team there's always like uh, you know the uh, yeah. either uh, shastri is trying to prove a point or kohli is trying to say something or uh, what is that partly because the access has been reduced so much i don't know what the reason is for why they think that we will happy when they lose we don't want the indian team to lose we have never <laughs> wanted them to lose we feel terrible when they lose uh, you know generally i mean if you if you are going to play badly or you are going to take wrong decisions and you lose and you going to say boss what did you think you know that is your first reaction uh, but you don't want them to lose in that sense but there is def- there i think there's definitely been a distancing uh, between the press whether it's because the numbers have gone up whether it's because they don't want to uh they feel it's not worth their while to talk to you uh or to say anything particular uh, and because there is so much of their own social media that they can kind of get into and tell the whole world about and you know um that they or if they distrust they, the media to think that they are also constantly looking for controversy and uh, yeah, but i mean like all media will look for controversy that's a logical thing in the past i should tell i should tell people i knew listen as i think of this as your nuisance tax man you earn a lot of money 5% taxes you have to deal with the media that's it <laughs> fine you know you know whom to trust you know whom not to trust you work that out ask someone around you and it's it's fine it, it's okay 
you know and i think social media has suddenly definitely given them an outlet which is great to talk to the fans so i think what's happened is now that of course because there is social media and because there is um you know because there is uh, so much of a uh, uh, sort of press on the behind them i think the gatekeepers feel more uh, they kind of want to show off what they they kind of want to show uh, that they they are in control of the gate you know and that you you ain't getting past that there's also that i don't think all of them i know that there's some good people that there that are that are doing good work but whether it's their managers or whether it's whoever you know i mean um, why would you not want to read a really good piece about rohit sharma uh, like actually saying whatever you want in, a, in a, you do read i mean like devendra pandey has great access and he gets good stories of but why would you not want to know uh, more about rohit sharma than you do than what you do through sort of twitter or facebook or whatever his other insta or whatever other things are. why would you not want to know more about him but you don't because he's uh, because uh, he's uh, uh, with uh, one uh, marketing company uh, ipl team and all this other stuff that's going on you know so and the managers should also realize that what rohit I, sharma puts on his social media is vastly different from a journalist doing like a long form piece by talking to absolutely. 20 other people and giving yeah, a informed yeah. picture of the whole thing yeah exactly and, and you know what i keep thinking is that uh, because one of the things that always happens to people is that once cricketers retire they turn into different people they become much much more kind of chilled out relaxed social accessible whatever you know i don't know whether it will happen to the same to the current generation maybe it won't but certainly in the the generation that i watched cricket with uh, whoever was sort of slightly prickly is now completely relaxed and whatever i mean you can go and meet courtney walsh whenever you want you know or whoever now courtney ambrose i mean you can have a conversation with courtney ambrose that you never could <laughs> out of terror you could never could when he was a uh, play courtney talk to nobody Curtly talk to nobody, but now Curtly talk to everybody. Yeah, now Curtly talk to everybody. So, so that changes, and and you know, you want to tell uh, if you're getting attitude from someone, you want to tell them that you know, boss, I our careers are longer than your career. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's fact of history. <laughs> you won't make as much as money you do, but the people will be around. You know, not just sort of grumpy old people like me, but the younger guys will still be around. The younger reporters who are there who have put up with your nonsense. Will still be around. Dravid said something now. He said, "You know, the difference between movie, cricketers and movie stars. The movie stars need the media, and cricketers really don't. So maybe this is what the other players have picked up. But the whole point of it is, I think, particularly for the for us who are in the writing business. I'd gone to Southampton for the World Cup match, and in in the in the Hampshire, that room that you have there, where like a, the gathering room, uh, where players come through to go to dressing room, to go to gym, to go to whatever." they have up on the wall sort of two sentences about each of their really great players written up by a local journalist whoever written it either a local journalist or a national paper so it's your name written down there your 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 life in that club described in two sentences or one sentence by somebody and the power of those words will never leave long after you are not the most famous person in that place of the time you know that still will stay and so the word to describe the words to describe who you meant to that particular generation and that time that can only be done in word it can't be done on television with a commentator shouting it's not the same thing 
so i think the power of word uh, again it my it could be that my it's just my imagination that's saying this and i want myself i want uh, the words of the writer to be much more important than the commentary of a you know the much more important than the, remember the name remember the name but every generation needs its writers to tell its stories in as true a manner as possible and in as as a, sort of as affectionate a manner as possible forget you know affectionate as much and i feel that because of this lack of access that is there at this point that a, a generation of some really fine players that we have won't have that uh, it will not be reflected in in the time you know that that they won't have a time to reflect who they were and what they did like look at the stories you hear about ml jaisimma and the stories that you hear about uh, tiger patoli or the stories that you hear even about azuruddin or kapil dev you know uh, a lot of those stories come from that affection of the people that were watching you play journalists mostly writers uh, and i think that that kind of thing uh, is is something that maybe we'll miss out maybe it will be compensated for it by it can't i think about it cannot be compensated by a twitter feed i'm sorry it's not so don't you think that that uh, we are we are moving away irrevocably towards a place where uh, like more of it is live let's say a match yeah. which is being covered there is a pre match uh, segment where rohit sharma is coming and bantering there is a post match yeah. se- segment yes. where you see chahal coming and bantering and then the next yeah. day you move on their twitter feed they are saying now at the yeah. gym if most of their is life is needed? on record yeah 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 then the 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 recollection part of it the the words they start yeah. becoming slightly more Super redundant close. than essential right yeah, yeah. i mean I, I, what you're saying is 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 fair what you're saying is absolutely sort of a logical kind of a conclusion but i think uh, that what they represent those people and those moments and those innings what what they represent to that time is what words will capture what they what what they are is you'll be able to see it it's captured for his what they represent to you as a viewer and as someone from the outside whether it's me or whether it's the average fan or whether it's a cricket lover what they represent to that time i think is is what words should be able to to, sh- to show you Yeah, yeah, and five years down the line, no, you're not going to go and see the pre-match banter of Rohit Sharma. You know, you're not going to have the bandwidth and the I, patience to go see everything. But you will have the patience to read one long piece on the player. Yes. Yeah, what they call these days in the ghastly fade, digestible, snackable, digestible. Ah. It's like oh, <laughs> but obviously my retirement years are coming much closer than I think when I talk like that. And and the, what what I was saying about. Uh, Uh, you know the indian team when they are abroad is like that what you get to hear is that you know everyone else is fine the indians just they kind of kick up a fuss they 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 won't they'll just do the minimum you know of media work they won't uh, you know that that's the kind of stuff you get to hear and you don't like to hear it you know it's it, it's not it's not what you want to hear uh, so obviously someone has communicated to them that we are all a piece of trash and it's not there's no point in wasting time on us you know on, on the press on whoever the reporters are and they haven't been told anything that is the opposite so you know so you don't you don't blame the younger person for saying this and i am not going to get into any of this 
but sharda having uh, for, been a journalist for so long you must also you know uh, at some level empathize with them because the amount of media yeah, that yeah, surrounds yeah. the team now you know that is bullshit television uh, that is bullshit sort of uh, uh, insta reporting on social you know insta tweeting or whatever it is hmm. uh, like the brazilian football team has uh, live coverage of their practices with reporters standing on sh- sidelines and tv reporters and screaming into the mics <laughs> no, but, so there has to be a way to man so the indian team is not even there at that much yet at one point during this world cup that the women's world cup happened they 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 were going to stop access to uh, for video to be recorded of the women uh, in training mm. the manager said this and that is absolute nonsense it's tr- it's training of the women's team that's happening at a at a world cup event which is their biggest event in the like last two years and you are going to block training because of what why when icc said it's allowed then of course that whole problem was sorted out but just the thought behind it that and there were literally there would have been not more than two rep- of four, five ten maximum reporters who would have been uh, coming to film i mean i'm 10 i'm using as an exaggeration i know that onesha from our office was there and snehal i think was there and there was one more no adrika was there for something so i literally know that there were like a handful of reporters there so why what is this fuss about what is this you know it's not like it's not the cricket that the men's world cup where there might be been 100 people it's mm. not that of course you'll get uh, you know you'll get people who do nonsense stories and but listen no one is saying that they'll be calling you all the time or calling your mobile phone if you ask for something and you have a reasonable idea what you are going to have to uh, then answer the answer it hmm. and not everyone is only chasing virat kohli you know not everyone is only chasing that what the one person you want to speak to there could be people who want to speak to other people who want to get access to whoever you know kl rahul or whoever pandya and what you see is that a lot of access i mean uh, i'm sorry like a complete grumbler Uh, what you see is that uh, there is a lot more uh, sort of ease and banter and friendship with television with uh, people that are there behind the camera with tv programs whatever you know which works out because managers work it out or because there is business deals that go with it or you know like the, the like the breakfast with champion stuff is great it's fun it's great but it's not i mean maybe a writer will do something different you know maybe you will come across in a different way yeah you know yeah. Uh, but uh, one thing i wanted to ask you uh, i think i was talking to you once and you were telling me about women's cricket in the 90s and 2000s and how yeah. you know and recently I, i mean of course not re- few years back you did this interview with shanta rangaswamy when she was inducted yeah. to the hockey yeah. team uh yeah. tell us about women's cricket back at that time and how much of it you covered and how much what was it like it was it like a curiosity I mean, or did people take it seriously it was it was yeah no it was a curiosity and i covered very little i am quite ashamed of the fact i covered very little uh, i did the women's world cup that was there in 1990 oh god i have forgotten the year in india right 97 yeah. i think yeah right ha 96 i said yeah yeah belinda clarks in the beginning huh. so i did that and i did very little else because i was too busy doing all the other stuff that was going on other sports i did a lot of women's others women sport shooting and something uh, tennis and boxing uh, uh, boxing correct you know and uh, but not women's cricket as such it was a curiosity because it had reached that stage 
but it was around we 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 always knew like of Diana and Shanta I knew when I was growing up because they were in the papers and their names were there and uh, and their performances were there and I think they kind of in the nineties they kind of vanished a little bit they came became less uh, uh, present you saw less of them uh, in in the press and television no question um, and then they went through that phase where uh, from 2006 onwards when the men's game took it over then they almost kind of this it till about 2013 or 14 or something other when kind of just picked up again and we only knew about Mitali and Julat you know that's the thing that we knew so that, that's largely what the whole that's and I was quite ashamed of the fact that I didn't do enough of uh, women's cricket but I mean I was just thinking that from the point of view that the employers that I was in uh, I, I should either have been sent to one of those or I should have asked to go you know in India today I should have asked to go but there was definitely a without a doubt enormous chauvinism about women's cricket enormous you know at an institutional level virtually so people thought it was a joke like what is this? What is women's cricket? <laughs> yeah, that was like the attitude that it was, and it was fairly recent. I mean, we all know the story of what Srinivasan said to the railway secretary uh, that he's not interested in women's cricket at all. And Diana said this in an interview, mm. you know. And uh, and I mean, Diana was made uh, put on in the C in the COA. Uh, when Diana was put on, in, into the COA, there was a backlash that was like quite vicious and quite uh, mean, uh, you know, about her, uh, which is again like a reflection of the nonsense that women have put up with in, 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 in the game. You know, you, you did get a bit of that. And I said, listen, uh, you know, the way that suddenly you're, you're suddenly becoming really, you know, you, 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 like you guys suck up to all kinds of cricket administrators, the male cricket administrators. But of course, now suddenly you want, uh, you know, this is okay. You can take pot shots at somebody else because it happened. I mean, the only cricketer who was ready to stand up and be a part of the COA uh, was a woman. You know, so don't tell me about all the fine qualities of the, all the male cricketers. They didn't want to be there because they did not want to be seen as challenging uh, the BCCI's authority at the point. There's no other reason why no other male cricketer was ready to be there. Uh, also, yeah, I, I I think uh, when the COA was formed, you, you weren't completely sure that uh, Srinivasan won't be back again or something like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Everybody was hedging their bets. Everybody hedges their bets. Yeah, they still hedge their bets in every way on many things. So, you know, so what are you, uh, what are you saying? No, and, uh, uh, you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you specifically about, and because I don't agree entirely with this, but Smriti Mandana mm. recently made a statement where she said that mm. women can, uh, cricketers can only demand equal pay with men when the women's game uh, starts bringing in comparable revenue. Now, in terms of revenue, the women get very, very, uh, you know, I think yeah. they should get more. But is yeah. this a way to look at it? Because, you know, no. it's not the women's cricketer's job to go and market their sport to everybody around. Exactly. No, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think it's that they have to generate the revenue. I mean, if you're talking about that, how much, what is the percentage of the revenue uh, that the BCCI earns that ends up with the male cricketer? I don't think it's uh, that 26% or whatever it is that they keep talking about 13%. I don't even think it's that. There's no chance it's that. So let's not get into a revenue game in terms of, uh, you know, 
uh, what you do and what you deserve and that's a completely different uh, i mean they should earn more i mean what you will find is every woman cricketer will also will say to you herself whether it's a current player whether it's a former player will say that listen you know it's not like that we are asking you for the money that the men are getting but let's change the balance of how the money is spread also so if you like for example what you have to look at now is not what uh, maybe not focus so much on what the women's top women are getting other than to look at what the at the first class level what women are getting what are the, what, that that discrepancy is quite outrageous you know it's 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 i i don't know the number exactly but it's almost like it's uh, a few thousand rupees as opposed to tens of thousands kind of a thing you know if i have to check that i'm not 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 exactly specific but it's a really bizarre number and uh, at the other end of the scale um, you have to then offer more contracts to to the women uh, more contracts than you are offering and then change those change the the but, but the the men's game itself is is so uh, lopsidedly structured that all the money uh, that that is given the larger share goes to the international game and domestic players don't have uh, contracts that that there is enough money in the game to give them you know they they're not given contracts at all saurav ganguly has promised that he'll do it but i don't think there's any sign of it yet so you need to work out all imbalances all the way down the line whether it's in the women's game or it's in the men's game and you have to say okay let's make our women's game the highest paid women's game in the world then then go match the australian salaries that the australian girls get give them that kind of then that number of events that they play you know build calendars that will make it viable for more girls to take to cricket rather than sort of have this haphazard kind of a calendar that you didn't have in the past i know it's improving now but still yeah and uh, do you think i mean of course uh, the at the top level there's a lot of interest now and this world cup generated huge amounts of interest among the fans and many people watched and everything but uh, what is your sense at the lowest levels do you see you know i'm talking grassroots level schools level that level do you see uh, things picking up do you see girls uh, taking a keen interest in it or is it more just happening from the top and you would it's not things are not really trickling down i mean i don't know about exactly what the trickle down is because i think that say for example in the sports where women's participation is increasing uh, will be in things like badminton because cricket then becomes a hard game to uh, teach and to learn and you require much more sort of space and infrastructure which exists already uh, because of the men's game but how many people would want to then put everything into uh, supporting the women's game whether it's a running an academy or a camp or whatever that's the number that's where you have to get the bcci to actually do the work you know to actually do the heavy lifting um and create a new structure like they like the big grumblings that happened when they went to play in the northeast uh, is that you have to then create that uh, ecosystem and that culture for uh, for cricketers who want to come through why will i want to play cricket for arunachal if i can play football and and have a have a better chance of you know earning a better living say uh, as a professional um, so that's the thing that's where the work has to be done uh, because a women's game will need to be pushed uh, in a, in a much more uh, sort of hands on way than the men's game i think the men's game sort of runs itself uh, in terms of this whole club and uh, you know boys 
uh, structures coming through. Uh, women will tend to go for things, particularly in smaller towns. They'll probably work, uh, play for, uh, try to play hockey or go into even sport like boxing or judo or wrestling or whatever it is, because their their career path and it is is very clearly defined and and leads even the most averagely talented player who who can play a decent level of competitive uh, sport. We'll say, okay, if I do this, I'll, I'll at least get a job in something. And cricket, you need to be able to say that, okay, if you do this, this is where you will reach. You have this club competition, you'll get a job in the railways because that's what sport in India is still about. It's about a livelihood rather than a leisure activity, which it tends to be in in some parts of uh, the West. That's the that's the sort of phase where 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 women's cricket will have to. We uh, work differently from how the men's uh, game works because you it, it'll be easy for you to go and maybe find now cricket camps everywhere for boys to take. But where do girls go? Will the will the places that take the boys in welcome the girls? You know, or if they don't, then what do the girls do? I'm sure girls want to play cricket. I'm sure watching the 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 World Cup and seeing these fantastic uh, young women like uh, Jemima or Shefali. Uh, you know, they will just be thrilled and they will want to be part of this whole story. But where do they go? Where is their ladder? You know, is the so is the IPL an option then? The women's IPL with say four teams or five teams? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why why should you not even try? You know, why should you not give it a shot? Why should you not give it a shot? Even if it's not going to make you the kind of money that you want to. I mean, the the great question raised by Gideon Haig that is sport does sport exist to make money or does money exist to help sport you know mm. so what is what is why is, what is all this money in indian cricket for it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a in, it's not an industry it's a sport so then you have to put things back into it rather than just to gen, to be a profit it's not a profit generating industry you know you don't want it to be a profit it's an industry but it shouldn't be uh, primarily a profit generating industry and uh, the women's IPL is not that big a stretch even because uh, the BBL has yeah. shown us that uh, uh, men's cricket and women's cricket, the way they schedule it, it is it happens in the same window and therefore uh, you don't have to worry about yeah. that much about revenue and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I mean the BBL is a great example uh, that uh, the the uh, uh, women's league in England is, is a great example and, and the BBL shows you something so completely radical that it's uh, that the Australian uh, sort of administrators and the public is astonished by how successful it has been, you know, and how well they ran the Women's World Cup by holding it separate of, uh, to the male World Cup this time. They kind of ran it in Australia and they made deliberately and said, listen, we'll show you uh, how this is possible. So it is, and, and you're talking about India, where cricket is, cricket is, is a sport over and above everything else, you know. So why should you not? Why should you not try? And then and then have your uh, make sure that your your, your grassroots is there to help them. You know that that is there to feed into this. And and why should as 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 uh, India? Why should you not be the leader in in revolutionizing the women's game? Yeah, and the interest is obviously that South Africa came and played a series of one dayers in Surat. There were people like clambering on this top of the roof and all that. The stadium. Yes, roof and yeah. So like. if you know. Uh, uh, Schedule your matches smartly, pick your venues and your time smartly and see and, and people will come. You know, people will come to watch and now they know your they know your players, they know the names, they know the stars that are there. They'll come. 
Yeah, so uh, we have taken a lot of your time, Sharda. Thank you. But I have to ask you about, uh, you know, going back to journalism and uh, what you see around you today. Um, you know, are you uh, heartened by the number of uh, young people coming through and writing about the sport or, you know, doing sport on TV? What is your take on the quality? Um, do you feel things have dropped? Or overall, what's your sense of journalism, sports journalism, cricket journalism in India today? So I, what I'm really, really impressed by is how the journalists of today are able to work cross-format, you know. They are able to do, they are able to, they are these multitasking, multitasking creators. All, they know how to do video, they know how to do Twitter, they know how to do TikTok, they know how to do write, they know how to report, they know, I mean, of course, they need to be, the, the ones that are coming through, you need training and you need to put it on okay, basic discipline, etc., etc. And hopefully they'll get good bosses. And I think for everyone that, ends up writing rubbish. I blame their boss. I blame the editors for not guiding them in the correct way. You know, for everyone who ends up taking some nonsense angle and doing some nonsense story about a nonsense player, I just blame the people at the top who are asking them to do this rubbish. You know, and there's some really, really good uh, journalists and writers uh, that, are, that are coming out across languages, across uh, format. You see really, really... Uh, clever things done on, on, on TV. I would want there to be more... Uh, and what is going to happen is that journalism is going to keep getting refashioned and remolded because of the fact that we've got so much that is live and so much that is going to be fed to us by television. And the kind of instant uh, scores and everything that you're going to get online. And so your response of the younger people to that will have to be much more sort of uh, nimble It'll have to be much more creative. It'll have to be, it'll have to look for angles, you know, midday type of angles. You have to start only by looking for angles. It's a very interesting time. Uh, I mean, there, is, there will definitely always be an interest in sport. It will just keep growing. Uh, but I would hope that there would be editors that will be kind of a little bit more tough disciplinarians in, in terms of rules, a, a certain amount of structure and a certain amount of uh, objectivity. And a certain amount of uh, flair as well. You don't want bots. Because bots are not going to be able to write you a nice match report. I promise you. Not happening. So, suppose, I mean, the 18, 19 year old boy or girl, uh, college boy or girl listening to this, who of course has no access to Imran Khan or Viv Richards, <laughs> what would be the one thing you would tell them? How would you, you know, to uh, so that they can get into this profession and thrive? What, how would you make them go? Uh, that's a big thing. Uh, my only thing is that I would just like to offer like a little shortcut is that no matter who the star is your favorite at the time, sort of when you get into it, remember to sort of kind of forget about that person because it's actually the sport you love more deeply. And you'll find that out as you grow older, that you love the sport more and the, and, and the personalities in it sometimes can get a bit tiring. But the sport will always give you something to be joyful about and to be uh, to look forward to, to be happy about, you know. So, so, so just kind of prepare yourself for that, um, and work your socks off, and always learn, and never be afraid to ask even the stupid question. Perfect. So, yeah. on that note, I'd like to uh, thank you again, Sharda, for sparing all this time for us and uh, giving us a detailed. Uh, uh, view of uh, your career and your journey. It's been fantastic. I'm sure all our listeners will thoroughly enjoy listening to it. And uh, anyone, uh, you know, who likes reading Sharda, continue to do so. Follow her writings. And uh, we'll see you again 
for another episode sometime next week thank Bye. you very much sir thank you very much ashok it was so much fun i have talked so much non stop but you really <laughs> all asked me to so no I'm no sorry. we we loved it we loved yeah. it please don't uh, say sorry or anything like that <laughs> Thanks a lot it was it, it was too much fun. Okay bye. 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 India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India home. Lords goes wild.